Um, I just want to check with the Secretariat if um, the guests that we are expecting today from the department have they arrived so that we can start the meeting. It's already one minute past ten. Good morning, Good morning, Chair. Morning, 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 colleagues. Let me take then this opportunity to welcome all of you uh, in this meeting which we had convened and uh, specifically so that uh, we have the Department of Public Enterprises as led by political heads to come here to give us a progress report um as it pertains to transnet and the expansion that is happening in that front as well as to appreciate progress in respect of the matters that uh, flow from the zondo commission and the corrective measures in that context as well as um, the consequence management within the parameters of transnet directly as well as those that flow from SIU. Uh, This meeting really has been called in that respect, but primarily to hear progress insofar as the investment and expansion, insofar as uh, Transnet Ports um, Authority. I, I welcome you, honorable members of the committee, first and foremost, and I wish also to welcome the political heads from public enterprises, as well as uh, their delegation, which includes Transnet uh, Group Chief Executive, as well as the CEO of Transnet uh, Ports Authority and the entire team that comes from there. The officials uh, from the department, we also welcome them. And um, I wish now to say this meeting is duly opened. And um, we had circulated, honorable members, the agenda uh, of this meeting. And I think for the purposes of ensuring that we have enough time, as we have plenary at two, um, I've agreed uh, that uh, with the secretary that perhaps we have to just look into the presentation which is to be made by the department today. And maybe the issue of the minutes of the committee may be deferred to the next uh, meeting. Um, on that score, I then wish to to say uh, that uh, the Secretariat may just appraise us uh, of any apologies that we might have before I give over the, our guests. Um, Amanda or anyone in the Secretariat can help us to indicate if we have any apology from the Honourable Members. Good morning, Chair. Um, I have two apologies. I have an apology of Honourable Smith and as well as Honourable Nana. Thank you very much. Those apologies are noted. Yes. Yes, uh, Honourable One. Good morning, Chairperson. There is an apology also from uh, Member Makause, please. If that That can be 
That apology is noted, Honourable Member. Thank you for letting us know. Those are the three apologies that are recorded uh, in this meeting. I now want to take this opportunity to invite the the members of um, the political heads of the Department of Enterprises, especially the person or the senior leader that might have been tasked to lead the delegation, to take the floor and uh, and then he can take us through in terms of who is accompanying them here and then who will be making the presentation and if there are any apologies to be made uh, in the opening remarks, um, they will help us uh, with that. I just wanted to also say that I read through the, the grapevine that um, after several years of... Um, uh, losses at Transnet, we had over the weekend that for the first time, that Transnet has almost made about $5 billion, um in profit. And I think as a committee, we would like to express our deep felt gratitude and appreciate that there is progress insofar as that is concerned. Now we can clearly see that perhaps you are in the trajectory of turning the corner. But be that as it may, I would like the political head also to appraise us on that just to ensure that uh, it is a true reflection, and uh, then they can then confirm it. Um, We welcome you, honorable uh, members uh, from the executive, and I now present, uh, give the floor to you. Well, thank you very much, uh, Chair uh, of the Select Committee. Greetings to you, and uh, greetings to the honorable members of the committee. Perhaps uh, I should indicate, and I'm hoping that uh, it would have been communicated to the committee. Uh, today we have had to split uh, between myself and the uh, minister uh, to take uh, assignments. Uh, he's attending another joint meeting of cabinet committees. Uh, so uh, he asked me to lead the team coming uh, to this uh, meeting. And uh, Julie, I then communicate his apology if it wasn't uh, received. Uh, we, I have with me a, a team from Transnet. And, Chair, I was going to ask, uh, with your permission, that uh, the, 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 the group chief executive, uh, uh, Portia, Helps that could be. I may not have seen um, introduce the team. Uh, uh, there, there should be uh, someone from the board. Uh, if I had missed that, just maybe if if you may permit that uh, chair, uh, where after then we'll proceed into the presentation. Uh, if you permit, uh, I ask that uh, uh, Portia uh, please just introduce the team and. Uh, indicate uh, if there is anyone from the board uh, of Transnet. No, it's permitted, Chair. It's permitted, Honourable Man. Thank you. Um, Honourable Chair, um, uh, thank you very much, and thank you, Minister. The the Chair of Transnet is on the call, so I will step back and let him uh, do the intro, and then I'll introduce the team that will be presenting. Thank you. That is also permissible. Good morning, Chair and Honourable Members, uh, Deputy Minister of Public Enterprises, uh, Directors of Transnet, and the Executive Team. Um, 
truly, we appreciate having been invited once again to share some perspectives on our work and progress in respect of uh, the goals that we had set ourselves. Um, uh, And Deputy Minister, I do agree with the Chair that uh, it is a matter of absolute delight that uh, Transnet this past financial year recorded uh, an annual audit uh, without a qualified opinion. Uh, we had set out at the beginning of the life of this board uh, to clean up the company, create an effective management uh, structures, and to ensure that we restore the integrity and public confidence in the in the company. The results that we have achieved have taken us uh, closer to the attainment of that restoration of public uh, confidence, which is part of the responsibility of the audit, Auditor General's uh, of South Africa's goal, uh, as well as that of Transnet. As the board, we will not be talking much, uh, Deputy Minister and Chairperson. I think uh, uh, it's better for us to proceed according to the agenda. We have aligned a couple of executives who will present on the various respect of the agenda. And uh, at the time when Deputy Minister, you are ready to let Transnet a new chair Transnet to take over. Porsche will then uh, call the relevant uh, uh, executives in turn. Uh, thank you very much. I must say that uh, uh, I have not been well, and uh, I had sent a message that I'm unlikely to be in the meeting, but I felt much better this morning, so I said no, I'm going to join the meeting. Thank you very much. Uh, uh, over to you, Chairperson and Deputy Minister, and it may well uh, return to Porsche. No, thank you, Chairperson of uh, Transnet. Let me now hand over back to the Deputy Minister. Deputy Minister, the floor is yours. No, no, thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Chair. Uh, we, we have really welcomed uh, as well the opportunity to come before the committee to really... Recording in progress. Uh, some of the efforts uh, being made uh, to try and create uh, mobility as well as effectiveness of our logistics arrangements uh, to improve the performance of our economy overall. This has been made even more urgent uh, given the impact of COVID uh, in the global economy. Uh, the drive to improve efficiencies has been getting more attention from government as part of the reconstruction and uh, economic recovery plan that government has put into motion. So, Chair, the, the chair of the board as the accounting authority for Transnet has already indicated that uh, they are... Uh, willing to let the team, uh, led by the executive team, do the presentation, uh, hopefully to really satisfy the, 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 the desire of the committee to get briefed, uh, updated as to what is taking place. So without uh, wasting time, 
we, we may uh, then uh, let uh, Portia and team uh, take the committee through the uh, prepared uh, pr- presentation. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Chair. Thank you, Deputy Minister, and uh, thank you, Honourable Chair. Um, may I just also take uh, the uh, opportunity to acknowledge the presence of uh, Mele Tlape, uh, May Machuha, uh, Mr. Rablane, as well as uh, um, Ms. Rampaka, as well, who are board members of Transnet. So thank you very much for them uh, also uh, uh, coming to the meeting with us. Um, Honourable members, I've got, uh, first of all, let me start with an apology for uh, Ms. Sizem Zamela. She is in Botswana for the roundtable that is taking place, the business roundtable, and it's the president's working visit to Botswana, which is uh, happening tomorrow. Uh, She's part of the the, uh, team uh, uh, in advance for the business roundtable today. So there will be Pepe Selinga, who who will present on TNPA, and then there is Ruzani Legeke, who is standing in for uh, Sizem Zemela in as far as the uh, issues are related and then our group legal uh, chief legal officer, Sandra Kutsia, will talk through the questions that relate to the uh, SIU and the investigations that are taking place. Uh, Chair, if I may, um, could you please indicate to us how much time do we have for the presentation so that we can cut ourselves uh, to just that time? Is it uh, an hour sufficient? Uh, well, we can give you an hour. That's fine. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, Pepe, uh, I step off and you start off, please. Good morning, uh, uh, Chair. Um, my name is uh, Pepe Silinga, Chair, and uh, good morning. Um, uh, to uh, yourself, the Honourable Chair, the um, Honourable Members of the uh, Committee, um, the, uh, the Deputy Honourable Deputy Minister, the Chair of the Transnet Board, um, uh, Board Members, um, and uh, uh, the colleagues, Management uh, colleagues. I am uh, going to try in that particular space uh, to try and uh, do the presentation within uh, 20, 25 minutes to enable TFR uh, to um, uh, take the better part given the size of their portfolio with your permission, uh, Honorable Chair. Um, we have um, a port system in the country which is constituted uh, by um, uh, uh, two ports in the eastern region, which is Richards Bay and uh, the port of Devon. Um, and in the central uh, region, the port of East London, um, the port at uh, uh, Moha, port of Moha, and the port at Kabeha, still currently um, legally known as the port of Port Elizabeth. And then we have the in the western region the three ports: the port of uh, Mosel Bay, um, the port of Cape Town, and uh, the port of uh, Saldana. Now we do have another port which is being managed under the auspices of a private company, um, which is a, a, a port Nolo which is uh, focused on uh, providing uh, support to just uh, one company. And the port system in the manner in which it was set up, Chair, is an integrated uh, system. It complements uh, the, the rest of the system. But we do have a first amongst depots, and I'll spend a little bit more time in that particular port, which is the port of uh, Devon. It uh, really accounts for up to about uh, 40% 
uh, of our business in so far as uh, contributions in volumes, um, but also in its financial uh, contribution. Also uh, has a give or take about uh, 30% of our total uh, headcount. It's a significant uh, part, not just in South Africa, but in the continent, um, having uh, historically been one of the uh, ports sitting at the apex of the port system in the uh, continent. In the uh, port of uh, Richards Bay, uh, um, we are developing these two ports in a complementary fashion to the extent that for the port of Devon to be returned to its uh, very competitive uh, position as a container hub, um, there needs to be uh, some of the operations that are currently located in the port of Devon that needs to be uh, transferred to the port of Richards Bay. Um, uh, in, that would, uh, in particular, refer to some of the dry bulk operations that are taking place in the port of uh, Devon, the dry bulk operations that would, in some instances, be managed by uh, a private uh, uh, terminals, uh, like the Bidvest one, um, but also the uh, current location of the South African uh, Navy. The idea, Chair, is to relocate um, the, the main hub of that Navy base to Richards Bay, um, in the two islands there, the uh, Pelican uh, Island, um, and retain in the port of Devon um, a satellite uh, capability. If we could move to the next slide, please. Uh, retain a satellite capability, given the fact that it's a major port, um, the Navy has indicated that they would still want um, to have that particular capability. And, uh, Chair, I'm going to use the numbers, and I'm going to start um, from the top right, to uh, try and, uh, and, and sequence the presentation. Um, number six is the approach uh, uh, channel. If you're approaching the port from the seaside, so you would see on the uh, right-hand side, that would be where the residential cluster uh, referred to as the point uh, area. And uh, one of the things that we need to do is to deepen uh, that particular channel so that we can take uh, the bigger vessels. And uh, we, you see number one, that's a new cruise terminal, which in fact was completed just about the same time as uh, uh, COVID. Um, it's a brand new state-of-art facility, which has been uh, 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 completed, um, and it was being relocated from where I would uh, uh, refer to it as number two, where it currently uh, or it used to be operating, but uh, transferred to this new facility. Um, and it uh, blends very well with the residential area um, at the back of it, which is the point uh, area which falls under the jurisdiction of the municipality of Etegwin Metro. And then we have number four chair, which would be um, the point container terminal, which would be the subject of a significant increase. Um, you might not be able to see, but where the number is, there would be a slightly different shade to that yellow. That's where the current uh, footprint is. Um, and it would be expanded to where the, the complete uh, yellow is actually uh, uh, sitting at. And uh, if you look at number two, um, that's the automotive uh, terminal. At the moment, you've got different operations there, including um, the, uh, the Port of Devon uh, head office. Um, and all of those would actually be uh, uh, put down and we would be focusing on an automotive uh, terminal. And there are processes that we've had to engage in um, to seek the permission of uh, Heritage Council because the building uh, falls in that particular uh, 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 corridor. 
and uh, I would then uh, uh, skip a chair and come back to the channel number six, and you'd see at number 10, which is on the left-hand side. That is where, which is number 10, that is where the Navy would in fact be relocated to, um, and it would be relocating from a position which is currently number 11, which is the yellow in the middle. So we would uh, relocate number 11 to number 10 um, as a satellite station, and the bulk of it would then be transferred to the port of uh, uh, Richards Bay. So all of that footprint chain in that yellow line from number 13, number 7, A, and number 11, the idea is to create um, a complex of a significant uh, container terminal, as well as if you go to your left across uh, the channel at uh, number 15, which is part of the Maiden Wharf um, uh, complex, which also would be the subject of a significant uh, 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 development. For that to actually happen, Chair, to come back um, again uh, to be, um, uh, it will be the southeastern side uh, around number 14, we would need to have a turning circle. Um, this picture is a picture of the desired end state. It is not a picture of how it is as it stands at the moment. Um, we would need to have a turning circle at the end. The vessels would come down that channel from number six, which is the uh, approach channel, down that channel, turn at the end, and then uh, uh, come back and, uh, and be parked um, in any of those uh, particular beds. And we are currently sitting in a, in a port with a, a capacity of about 2.9, and the idea is to escalate it to 11.4. And we are running behind the already um, a port um, in, in the northern uh, part of our continent, which is already sitting at uh, 8.8 um, million TEUs. And the idea is that uh, we accelerate this particular development to actually catch up with what has happened in the rest of the, uh, con- uh, of the continent. But also generally, not just those, that, those particular ports, but also in the, both in the East Coast, and in the West Coast, there have been significant developments of the upgrading of the ports. If we might move to the next slide, please. Next slide, please. And Chair, I've already spoken. I'm not going to spend a, 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 a too much time having indicated what is, in fact, intended to actually happen um, in, in this particular precinct. This is the precinct. Um, of uh, the, uh, the point uh, uh, terminal. And in respect of these particular persons, Chair, there have been uh, uh, RFIs that have uh, uh, already gone out. The idea is uh, uh, through uh, uh, TPT, Transnet is seeking um, collaboration with private sector players who would be able, that would be able to bring the, the requisite capacity, the volumes, uh, but also the capability to actually invest um, in some of these uh, uh, assets so that we are able to meet the demand, both in terms of the sizes of the vessels that are also uh, changing, but also as a consolidated um, container hub, so that it can increase that particular uh, competitiveness. If you look at B, um, which we've pointed on the uh, west side chair, that at the moment, as it stands, is a fresh produce uh, terminal, and that is part of what would be reconfigured um, to enable a car uh, terminal. You will also see um, a, a, this where we have identified a C. That's also part of the relocations that would also uh, uh, take place um, to ensure that uh, uh, very efficient uh, auto terminal. 
The focus on auto terminals, Chair, is that they spend as short a period in the terminal as possible. Um, it is not supposed to be a parking lot. It's supposed to be a transit um, a place. So the shorter the period, the more efficient you are able to actually use uh, that particular uh, uh, space to be able to uh, handle the volumes that we actually require. And under uh, 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 demolitions, uh, uh, Chair, I've indicated the ocean uh, uh, building is going to be uh, uh, demolished. Um, around sea, that's where the sheds, uh, the various sheds would, would also be. We're also going to be demolishing uh, those particular elements. If we might move to the next slide. And, and one of the things that we've uh, done, Chair, as part of that particular process, we do have a place. Um, the, the, uh, the old vehicles, the importation of old vehicles is one of those businesses that at the moment, whilst it is in fact part of what is actually being handled, but does not necessarily uh, constitute the most attractive proposition, both in terms of domestic development of uh, the automotive uh, industry. So part of that is to see if that could be, in fact, accommodated uh, elsewhere so that we can focus on the export um, uh, products that are produced within the country. Um, and the relocation, as I indicated, Chair, we would relocate the, uh, the dry bulk, which is a manganese terminal, which is on the um, entrance side, on the left-hand side, which is the pepper uh, color. And the other one is relocation of the Navy, if we can move uh, uh, to that. And all of these are being relocated to a richer Bay. Um, naturally, there needs to be reconfiguration of Richards Bay, including um, its capability to accommodate the additional traffic that would, in fact, be visited upon that particular destination as a direct consequence of these particular locations. Next slide. Next slide, please. From a timeline a, a point of view, Chair, all of the expansion uh, programs from a port point of view, the process to undertake that is a prescribed process in terms of the legislation that is in place. Um, we, we need to develop what is called as the port uh, development framework plans. Um, there are port consultative committees, presentations. These are bodies that are appointed um, at the instance of the uh, Honorable Minister of uh, Transport. Um, and these are bodies that are constituted by a variety of stakeholders, including industry players uh, uh, themselves from the shipping agents as well as the shipping uh, liners. Um, and we make presentations to these particular committees. The idea is to ensure that the propositions in terms of the capability of the port is fit for purpose and responds to the industry needs. And ultimately, that goes to a national port consultative committee, um, after which it makes a recommendation to the Minister uh, of uh, uh, Transport, who then uh, legislates um, in consultation with the Minister of uh, Public Enterprise. We have been going through this particular process. And as you would imagine, uh, Chair, um, port planning, um, like all uh, infrastructure planning, is a very iterative and a consultative process. We have gone through various iterations since October uh, uh, 2020. There has been independent and professional uh, validation uh, with the assistance of the World Bank, they engaged a variety of professional international companies which have got experience in this particular uh, field. And we're pretty comfortable that uh, we've had to, um, if you like, to shape it in such a way that it actually 
response to the uh, user requirements. Insofar as the island view is concerned, which is where I was talking about the channel, uh, there has had to be uh, extensive consultations because the original conceptualization would have been to deepen that particular channel, which would have uh, resulted in significant dislocation of a significant portion of uh, the petrochemical industry at uh, Island View. We've since uh, reviewed that particular um, uh, discussion without adversely impacting on the projected uh, uh, capacity that we are going to be uh, achieving. So there has been extensive consultation with the industry. We've taken their concerns on board. And obviously, not all concerns could possibly be taken on board because it's a question of uh, making uh, choices that would be in the public interest without, if you like, a willy-nilly adversely impacting on the private sector interest. If we may go to the next slide. Next slide, please. And so from a time frame point of view, Chair, all of these particular packages are in fact a, a, a time bound, as I indicated that there has already been two uh, uh, RFIs that had actually uh, uh, gone out, um, and there's a process to uh, migrate towards ultimately conclusion of those uh, uh, particular processes. But from a TNPA uh, uh, side, our principal responsibility is that of a landlord uh, uh, function. Now, a port is a transit area. So the idea is that you don't just sort out um, the, the specific transit area without being mindful of the total logistics chain, because the efficiency must be throughout that particular logistics chain and, and to be able to do that part of our planning has looked at how do we bring these uh, volumes of containers and how do they get evacuated as well uh, uh, from the port we're already having significant congestions i'm sitting at 2.9 million teus we must then figure out when that capacity increases to four times um would we be able to actually continue with the current mode with the road and um, being a dominant a means of a, a, a transportation, and clearly it wouldn't work. It would choke um, at that city as well as the port um, uh, uh, to death. So part of what needs to be done is an integrated, intermodal uh, logistics uh, thinking that would also um, include uh, places like Cattle Ridge, which would also constitute, in some instances, staging areas for some of the cargo that should be coming to the port as and when it is actually going to be processed so that uh, the, uh, the port itself does not end up being a place where people park um, and waiting to be serviced. And the last part that we're also looking at within uh, uh, the proximity of the port is a place called Ambrose Park, and we're going to be developing a track staging area over and above putting a whole range of other infrastructure systems, including uh, way bridges, so that we are able to account for the volumes that are, are going um, in as well as uh, coming out of that particular port, but also to have a, a digitized uh, system of uh, knowing which trucks are carrying what product, when did they come, and what they are loading is, so that we can ensure a better enforcement of the uh, of the rules, uh, traffic rules, which is not the case uh, uh, at the moment. And uh, when you visit the port, you see this, uh, if you like, dysfunctionality manifests itself most acutely in the. Uh, 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 they had uh, uh, area around the Maiden North area. Next slide, please. Next slide, please. And, and really, try and, and not to spend uh, uh, much time, you would see that on the right-hand side, as you uh, enter the, uh, uh, the port, um, you would see these two islands, the neighbor island 
as well as uh, the, the Pelican Island. This is where the, um, uh, the relocation of the Navy is actually going to be taking place. It's a significant uh, one chair. Obviously, it, it, it is a, um, a partnership between ourselves as Transnet, the uh, Department of uh, Defense, um, or South African National Defense uh, uh, Force, as well as uh, the Department of Public Works. And, and part of the infrastructure that needs to be developed um, would be things like synchro leaves, where submarines would actually be lodged in a very safe place, including a, a refurbishment of some of their particular equipment. But even more importantly, the accommodation of give or take about 1,500 um, Navy families that would need to be accommodated uh, over there. Um, and of course, on the western side, um, and on the South Dunes area, if we move to the next slide, there would be, have to be a significant reconfiguration because of the guest infrastructure that we're actually going to be putting over there. And uh, that would be uh, uh, in the notation number 15. And uh, again, an RFP had actually, uh, uh, RFI had actually uh, uh, gone out. And, and that process is proceeding chat for the appointment of a company that would actually develop um, and operate uh, that particular uh, asset. Um, and if we look at uh, number 18, um, which is on the western side at the bottom, and that is where the new baths from a liquid uh, a bulk would actually uh, take place. So the point to be made, Chair, without uh, over-elaborating in the interest of time, is that Richards Bay would need to be fundamentally reconfigured from what it currently is um, to enable, to accommodate what is being relocated, but also to be much more synchronized with the industrial, uh, with the SEZ, uh, the Special Economic Zone, that is in fact located virtually adjacent uh, to the port so that we have an integrated uh, what we call a port um, and then SZ uh, system. Next slide, uh, please. Next slide, please. And all of these chairs would simply be um, a, a giving a, an artistic impression of uh, the type of infrastructure from an LNG uh, a, a point of view. Next slide, uh, uh, please. And, and the next few uh, pictures, Chair, would basically be, and again, this uh, chain uh, six uh, to uh, reflect on the time frame. Our projections, Chair, is that if we are not to um, uh, to be left behind the curve, which has already moved ahead of us um, in the South African uh, context, we would need to have made significant uh, uh, progress in terms of the development of this uh, capacity within a period of about uh, eight years. What it also would need is a bold uh, strategic approach from an infrastructure delivery point of view so that we don't wait for demand to choke before we begin to deploy infrastructure because the lead times for the deployment of this type of infrastructure is anything up to four or five years. And if you add EIAs, um, that gives you perhaps another year or so, which means if you are wanting to have a ready-made infrastructure in about eight years, you are well advised to start at the very least, um, uh, five, uh, six years in advance, if you are to actually uh, catch up that time. The point that we're making, Chair, is that it's not like we've got the luxury of time to pontificate um, because uh, we, we need to develop a capability of 11.4 million TEUs, perhaps in about nine years uh, to come. There's common infrastructure and so far as dredging of the beds, which would be where the vessels uh, actually navigate. And we need to deepen those. That's common user infrastructure that needs to proceed forthwith. And then there's the enablement of the various terminals 
so that those terminals are also fit uh, 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 for purpose. Next slide, please. Um, again, in the uh, uh, in the consolidation of all of these uh, particular uh, programs, because it's a consolidated, integrated program, what we have simply done in this particular slide uh, is to put those together, given the interlink uh, uh, interlinkages. If we are to proceed on Pier 1 and Pier 2 for that particular container terminal, it can't happen if we have not moved um, the Navy to the uh, uh, approach tunnel as well as to Richards Bay. But what means that uh, then the activity in Richards Bay um, is a preceding activity that should precede um, the relocation of, of uh, the, or the consolidation of the container terminals in Pier 1 and Pier 2. And we sought to uh, demonstrate those particular linkages in this particular presentation. Next slide, Chair. And if we can move and really to, to move to the next uh, uh, cluster, uh, Chair. So the Eastern cluster, Chair, predominantly we're dealing with significant volumes of dry bulk. We're having um, a, an energy cluster in that particular area insofar as the uh, petrochemical uh, industry is concerned, as well as the gas uh, is concerned. Um, and then we have the container uh, consolidation uh, chair around uh, the port of uh, Deben. You also have a significant automotive um, a, a export a program that actually takes place through that particular uh, cluster as the crow flies uh, 400 uh, uh, kilometers from uh, one of our dominant uh, automotive cluster in the Houghton uh, 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 region. And in the central uh, region, which is constituted by these uh, three ports, if we might move to the next slide, uh, uh, please, and we'll really uh, uh, roughly um, uh, uh, speak relatively very quickly, starting with uh, the, uh, uh, the East London, if I might start uh, with, uh, with the East London, uh, East London, Richards Bay, uh, Mosel Bay, as well as uh, uh, Saldana are four ports at the moment that are not making a profit. We have put teams together, and in each of those particular ports, and we've already done uh, 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 two ports, and we are left with the other two ports. In each of those particular ports, we put capacity on the ground, which virtually goes through everything that happens in that particular uh, port and gives us a sense on the revenue side, but as well as on the cost side, and what are the impediments that uh, gives rise to these uh, particular losses. And one of the things that's becoming apparent, which is a transversal issue, is the availability of mobile equipment. This mobile equipment would be the tugs, um, the boats that would actually need the functionality of the uh, ship repair uh, uh, yards, which, uh, whilst they are small in the bigger scheme of uh, the bigger ports, but in the smaller ports, actually play a significant role. And we are developing transversal programs that would ensure that these particular ports, um, at the very uh, latest by September, in the next financial year, they've actually uh, 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 broken even, even though we're still chasing the end of this particular uh, financial year. So we've got a program-wide acquisition of uh, marine equipment. We, we are acquiring dredgers, which increases our capacity to maintain our infrastructure. The tugboats, which enable us to bring in vessels and take out vessels safely, but also expeditiously, but ensure that there is no point in time, as it sometimes happens, where vessels are sitting outside because we do not have sufficient mobile equipment to be able to move those particular vessels. But also, more importantly, to develop a capability that would enable collaboration for the SADC uh, uh, countries, because it's, as it stands, 
whether it is Maputo, or it is Namibia, or even going a little bit up, most of those maintenance equipment is actually being brought from outside of the continent, from Europe predominantly. And in some instances, we sit with equipment ourselves, which is underutilized, which is costing us money um, because we've got fixed uh, capabilities, but we are not leveraging on the opportunities that um, the neighbors uh, are in fact uh, uh, affording us. Insofar as East London is concerned, there would be a greater focus on ensuring one, that uh, the um, the dry docks that are there, the boat uh, building uh, facility is in fact um, going to be fully utilized. There are already programs and some of the tags that would have been maintained in Deben are in the process of actually being brought to East London um, to increase the utilization of those. That obviously would require development of a cluster so that uh, it's also cost-effective and competitive to actually uh, uh, do it there. And if I might move, next slide, if I might move to the uh, uh, Port of Moha, there's a variety of uh, initiatives. Um, Pat, let me start with the Port of uh, Port Elizabeth. Um, with the Port of Port Elizabeth, we currently have a, a, got a container terminal, the intention of which is to consolidate it in the Port of Moha. Um, and that is on the bottom uh, left-hand side. Um, and the idea of consolidating that uh, a container terminal in the port of Moha is to focus the port of uh, Port Elizabeth as an automotive port, but also as a hospitality and a tourism uh, type of a port. We might still maintain a little fallback uh, capacity from a container point of view, but the strategic intent is to have a transshipment hub in the port of Moha, which was originally the concept of the development of the port of Moha. Uh, so that we have got a liquid bulk uh, tank, which is on the top right, which is going to be relocated as well to the uh, uh, port of Moha. And all of that area chair would be a hospitality, a tourism type of a waterfront. And you can see at the top, the bulk or terminal that is currently sitting uh, uh, over there. That's a manganese a storage area that as well is also being relocated to a new storage facility, um, which would have the capacity of taking up to 16 million tons. Next slide, please. And that will be in the port of Moha. Uh, Over and above that, um, in the port of Moha, we would have um, the capability for a gas uh, a, a station as well. The three ports that are earmarked for a, a, a gas would be Richards Bay, um, the port of Moha. And Saldana as well has expressed a strong interest in that particular uh, proposition. The very same three ports as well, Chair, have got the propositions of these mobile uh, power stations. And that would be an interim solution to the current uh, uh, power uh, uh, challenges. If you see at the top, you would see where the tank farm is. That is at 12 o'clock, um, if uh, uh, I might use that particular term. That would be the relocation of the liquid bulk. It's a depiction. It doesn't exist as it stands. And, uh, and if you see at 11 o'clock, uh, a chair which is on the top uh, uh, left-hand side, that's where the manganese storage um, is actually currently being developed um, in a partnership with an implementing agent, the Bukha Development uh, Corporation. And you'd see at about, a, 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 a give or take, at about 8 o'clock um, on the bottom uh, left, where the conveyor belt, which would actually be going to the C-series, which is the middle finger, um, in the uh, uh, in the port, and you'd see um, on the right hand side that's where the liquid bulk uh, 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 bath would actually be uh, uh, located. And of course, on your left hand side, um, at uh, just about uh, number seven, would be where the uh, uh, container terminal is. That container terminal chair has got the capacity to accommodate about two million uh, uh, TEUs currently underutilized completely. 
Um, it is also subject of a, a, a PSP transaction um, to attract um, a company that would bring predominantly, first and foremost, additional volumes, but of course have the capacity as well um, to increase the, um, if you like, the operational capacity of that port, even when the demand uh, dictates as such, to ensure that it's actually fully utilized. And that's where the consolidation um, would also be taking place. If you might move relatively very quickly with the port of Mosel Bay, the port of uh, Mosel Bay is a challenged uh, uh, facility um, insofar as it having historically been developed um, at the instance of the Petrosa project. Next slide, please. Um, and to the extent that uh, uh, that Petrosa uh, uh, thing, uh, I'm going to uh, skip this. These are additional information on the port of Mocha, and I'm just worried about the time. If we might just uh, uh, move, if we can uh, skip that. Um, and uh, I start with the one in the middle, Chair. The port of Mosel Bay, as I indicated, is one of the ports that are actually loss-making at the moment. We have spent a, a, a virtual week in that uh, particular uh, airport, developed a very clear plan, um, and the forecast chair is that we consolidate it as a fishing port because there are quite a few companies that are located in that particular port um, and ensuring that uh, they have infrastructure that is actually fit for purpose. It is also a boat repair uh, facility. Some of the boats, luxury boats, come as far as uh, from Australia as well as the rest of the Australasia. Um, and part of it is to refurbish um, the type of infrastructure that is there, some of which it is very, very old, make it much more modern, enable it to dock much bigger uh, uh, vessels. Uh, we are working uh, hand in glove with uh, Petrosa with their uh, new plans of how to reconfigure utilization of the uh, old refinery itself, but we are not placing our eggs in that particular basket. So there's a major reconfiguration about uh, focusing on the hospitality side, on the tourism side of that uh, uh, particular port, whilst at the same time servicing some of the clients that are currently using um, the port of Mosel Bay. We're having to go back to the drawing board in so far as this particular port so that we can uh, think creatively as to how best to make sure that it's actually going to wash its face. It is targeted that this financial year is actually going to be breaking even by uh, at the end of this particular financial year. And if I might move to the left-hand side, next slide, uh, uh, please. Um, in the next slide, uh, uh, Chair, uh, we, want, we can skip that slide. We've spoken about the port of uh, Mosel Bay. For the port of uh, uh, Cape Town, Chair, there are three things that we're doing with the port of Cape Town. Is one, resolve the logistics issues by ensuring that uh, there's a, um, um, a, 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 a truck staging area in an area that has just been uh, uh, acquired. The second one, Chair, is a um, and and that facility we would call a back of a, a port um, integrated a, a, a staging area, which should link from a transportation point of view, which should link with the uh, port itself. Um, the second one is the expansion of the container uh, uh, terminal itself in a manner that uh, balances the availability of capacity on the water side with the availability of capacity on the uh, land side. That would mean um, availability of equipment to operate um, uh, the port uh, uh, itself. Uh, on top of that, the additional utilization of the docking facilities insofar as the ship repair yard, um, the docking facilities that are over there, modernizing them insofar as the operating equipment is uh, concerned. And we're spending a, a, a bit of time ensuring that response to the market. And part of that is to attract the interest of the market 
to determine whether they wouldn't operate that in a much more uh, profitable and a much more cost-effective manner than we are actually able to do. And going back, next slide, uh, please, and going to the uh, uh, Saldana, the port of Saldana, and, and which would have the similar one, an interest in the gas uh, fired uh, projects, um, an interest in the floating uh, power solutions that uh, needs to be located uh, 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 over there, but also insofar as uh, the, uh, uh, the beds are concerned, development of a new bed that enables consolidation of the bulk material that actually goes to that particular uh, port. We have discussions with the SPZ so that whatever plans that we actually develop are integrated and, in fact, enable the development of that special economic uh, uh, zone. Chair, in the interest of time, may I stop at this particular point, um, and I will be happy to take some questions. No, thank you. And uh, there's Linga. I uh, just want to check if perhaps uh, part of your team, especially the GCE, would want to make any concluding remarks on this presentation, or we can just go ahead and allow members uh, to interact with this presentation. Do you Chair, have any... may... Sorry. Yes, go ahead. Go ahead, uh, Honourable Chair, may I request that we do the... Uh, because there's a, the presentation doesn't end here. There are the slides from uh, TFR uh, that answers, and then it's only just two slides, uh, to my knowledge. And then also there was the last question that you had asked about the SIU. Um, that we finish the whole presentation and then we take questions, but also we're easy if uh, the chair would like to separate the the presentations. No, I would prefer uh, the scenario that says that let's first have an appreciation of the entire presentation from Transnet. Thank you. So please go ahead and uh, complete your presentation. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Honourable Minister. Okay. Okay. Uh, thank you. Thank you, uh, Pusha. And um, good morning to the chair and uh, all protocol observed. I'll just go straight into, into the presentation. Can I just get confirmation that I'm audible? Yes, you are. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, uh, my name is Rodzani Legege, as um, Pusha has uh, introduced me, and I'm looking after the container corridor, and I will be taking the committee through the, our, our response to what Pepe has, uh, has eloquently shared uh, with the committee. Um, we can go to the next slide. I think what is, what is key is that um, given the numbers that Pepe has shared, uh, it's only fair to indicate that um, you know, the success of the growth of the port uh, rides quite heavily on rail uh, being efficient and being able to mass evacuate um, the, uh, the, the, the port. Uh, our mandate, um, you know, is very clear in terms of uh, we need to make sure that we keep the port fluid. We need to make sure that the port keeps, you know, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, efficiency in terms of, you know, how it handles the, you know, um, the vessels. So we need to make sure by mass evacuating the port, we then are able to allow them to do what they need to do. So that is really our, 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 our key role. And I think what is also important is, you know, um, the fact that, you know, this line um, that goes from Devon all the way to, uh, to Johannesburg, 
basically connects the two biggest contributors to the GDP, which is Gauteng at number one and KZN at number two. So it is a very, very important line. Uh, and I think you will see as I, as I continue the presentation. So our numbers are literally based on, you know, the 11.3 TEUs that uh, uh, PP has shared, moving from a 2.9, that is the current now. And um, we've also then taken, you know, uh, out the transshipment, which is about 40%. And then we basically are working on a 6.8 million TEU number, which as PP has indicated, um, the big lion's share of that, uh, which is 5.6 million TEUs, must be mass evacuated by rail. So, um, and really uh, 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 changing the, the the current scenario now where you find that actually road is the dominant um, uh, player in that market. And uh, we then need to change that to rail to really make sure that, um, you know, we, we are able to, to make uh, South Africa work from an economic point of view. So you will see that 5.6 million TUs of that will come out of, um, will come out of, it will be uh, handled by rail, and only um, the balance of that will be handled by road, and for, for, for obvious reasons. So, um, however, there's a couple of dependencies that we need to look at for us to be able to do that. I think the first one is, uh, of course, the configuration of the uh, port rail terminal capacity. It needs to be increased to to ensure that we are then are able to to handle all all of those uh, TEUs. Uh, the other part as well is the uh, port complex. Uh, I'm going to share a map, uh, which is after this slide, which clearly shows how are we going to respond to all those key parts that uh, PP has shared. Uh, how are we responding to rail? Because as we said, uh, mass evacuation um, uh, uh, of those key areas uh, must be done by, by rail to make sure that this uh, whole expansion is, is quite an, a, a viable uh, um, uh, thing for, 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 for South Africa. But also point number three is the, the spatial analysis. Um, what we also understand is that, you know, the port is within the city, right? And uh, we need to ensure that uh, when we do our planning, Etequini comes into the picture uh, to make sure that when they do their road analysis, they also take into consideration, you know, the role that we play as rail. They made it very clear that their numbers are also based on uh, about almost 80% of the containers going by rail. So rail becomes very, very uh, key and pivotal to the success of the of the project. But of course, one most important thing is really the the essence or the, the issue of funding. So how do we then uh, also ensure that the funding for rail, uh, you know, uh, uh, is also taken into consideration? And in this case, we start talking about, you know, how do we bring in IE Etequini as an example uh, uh, as part of the funding? Because our view is that, you know, you will see when Pepe spoke about the, the, the mass evacuation into back of port facilities and that rail connectivity, it is rail connectivities that is helping the city to deal with the issue of congestion. So our view is very simple that, you know, we also need to bring in the city instead of spending money on road, they then need to spend money on, you know, ensuring that the connectivity of uh, rail to those facilities is seamless. You know, and also we then start talking about the government funding as well to say what model can we in- introduce to make sure that, you know, this very important strategic line from Devon all the way to Devon, uh, sort of from Devon all the way to Johannesburg is well funded. And uh, we are able to increase efficiency on this particular line to handle all of this, you know, uh, 11.3 million TEUs. 
But also, lastly, is the uh, issue of the third uh, party uh, slot sales. It is uh, it is something that we are implementing on this particular corridor. It will definitely bring positive spin-offs, and uh, it is also an element that we need to to take into consideration. But also, having said that, there's also dependencies that we need to look into, which is um, the rail infrastructure, uh, 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 our handling capacity. You know, um, uh, as I said, you know, the, for us to be able to handle this, our rail capacity needs to be configured well. There's a lot of lines that are within the Devon precinct, but it's a question of how do we position those to make sure that we deal with, the, with this uh, 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 mass evacuation which I will say, share more in details in the next slide. And then also the issue of back of port facilities. I've shared this uh, briefly to say um, there is um, currently now uh, about 60% of the containers that are coming off the vessels, you know, are packed and unpacked within the Durban area. So which simply means that only 40% will then go onto the long Hall going into into the uh, Johannesburg area, but what you find is that what has been unpacked and packed within Devon area also goes by uh, uh, Todd liners. So that's also something that we need to deal with uh, to ensure that the rail fa- facility is efficient to take that market back from uh, road to rail. But the connectivity within the city, we need to be serving you know uh, the South Basin, which is uh, uh, you know the old Devon port. That's what we we are envisaging that could come in handy. The Bayhead Terminal as well is there to, to handle what is within the city. But to handle what is in the north, we're lo- also looking at the likes of uh, 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 Dubeb Trade Port. And then we're also in the west, we're looking at Cartoridge as, a, as, a, as, a, as an area where we are able to, to handle all of, all of these uh, containers that will be coming out. Then the next part as well is the mainline slots uh, capacity. Then currently now, uh, one big issue that we've been having is the you know erosion of slots due to issues of vandalism and theft that has been happening on the line. So we need to uh, uh, solve solve for that problem of how do we deal with issues of theft and vandalism that is really crippling uh, our infrastructure. Because without that infrastructure, we then are not able to respond to what the port is putting on the table. So it's a very very important part that we need to to solve for. Uh, uh, the good part that I guess came out of the, you know, the the the, the floods, recent floods that we've had, is that at least by uh, the time we are done with rehabilitation, it will be able to increase our current slot capacity to something that is better before uh, the floods, which is I think is a is, is a good thing. The other part is that we need to of, of course look at the you know changing of the operating model. The current operating model that we are running is not going to suffice to handle and respond to the 11. Point 3 million TUs, so that we are working uh, on. But also, lastly, which is very important, is, of course, the role that, uh, you know, the Port Authority plays in really dictating the business rules of, you know, how the system needs to function, i.e. the road to rail split. You know, they are, of course, you know, uh, 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 as an authority, are able to then uh, make those determination in terms of how much of that we need to take. And I just want to bring your attention to the, I think the slides that, uh, the, the, the bar graph that is there at the bottom, which clearly shows the, the current, which is um, the um, eight trains that we're currently running, and we need to be ramping up up to 84 trains. So clearly we do have plans in terms of how are we going to ramp up. Currently our slot capacity, uh, our max slot capacity currently now, we're sitting at 47 slots. And we need to, you can clearly see that we need to be moving to uh, to a total of uh, of 84 slots 
that we need to, 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 to be running. So all of those plans, we then need to bring them into, into place to make sure that they are very much aligned as the port progresses with their, with their, with their increase. I think let's go to the next slide. So the next slide, um, what you see on the next slide is a, is a, a depiction of, you know, how do we then respond to what Pepe has, uh, has indicated. And you'll clearly see uh, when we, uh, on, the, on your right-hand side there, where he spoke about the point precinct, um, you know, um, that there will be uh, containers and there will be also auto in that, in that space. Uh, we've worked out the numbers that we need to be running 90% of everything that goes in that space uh, needs, to be go, needs to go by rail. You know? So already we have uh, uh, made it clear that how we're going to respond to that is we need to, to be running about 14 trains uh, out of that area. And then, of course, we're then going to use number two, which is Maidenhof, as an exchange yard to deal with anything that we are, we are running into that area to ensure that we are able to uh, build our trains and handle the 90% that will be going into that area. You'll also see in the Maidenhof area, there's also, you know, PP has indicated, you know, the TEUs that they're going to be running there. There as well, our view is that we need to be running about 16 container trains per day, per direction, 90% um, uh, of the 2 million TEUs that is going to come out of that needs to be on rail. And uh, we are reconfiguring that area to make sure we are able to handle, you know, the, the, the kind of trains that we need to run. The same applies to King's Rest, which is going to be responding to Pier 1 and Pier 2. There's about 7.1 million TEUs that will come out of that, and 80% of that will go on rail. And we're looking at about 45 trains that we need to run. But most importantly, you'll see there at number four, which talks to the Bayhead Yard, because that is our biggest yard that is the closest to the Pier 1 and Pier 2. And we see that as a, 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 a yard that will, will then need to reconfigure, i.e. build much longer uh, lines to handle the likes of 75 trains. Because the other element is that for you to handle or to increase capacity, you then need to run longer trains that will allow you to, to then um, you know, fit in more capacity to handle uh, uh, those, 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 those kind of uh, trains that you need to run. So, so I think uh, in a nutshell, uh, uh, chair, uh, that, that is how S-Rail will be responding. But I think one key important part is really the fact that where we are now, uh, the, 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 there is a need that, uh, um, uh, 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 of funding in terms of how do we then fund you know, this uh, expansion that needs to happen and really responding to this expansion and also going into the, into the main line. That is one big contention that we need to be dealing with. Uh, we're engaging also the city uh, to ensure that, you know, especially within the city, as we are creating these connectivities to the different um, areas, they are also are able to come to the party to ensure that we are able to respond well to the expansion of the port. Let me pause here, uh, Chair. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Rosani. Uh, Rosani, by the way, what is your surname? Uh, my surname is Ligege, uh, L-I-G-E-G-E. -E. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, uh, let's have the last aspect of the presentation as it talks sorry. to... Sorry, Jack. Gamagu. <laughs> Yeah, uh, um, Sandra, can you please present uh, uh, the last section on the SIU investigations, please? Uh, maybe if you can also just uh, because our hours are uh, nearly finished.
Good morning, uh, Honourable Chairperson, uh, Honourable Deputy Minister, Honourable Members of the Select Committee and uh, Directors of of the Transnet Board. Um, I will be taking you through the um, progress update uh, with regard to the matters that we are um, collaborating with the SIU in terms of investigations, with particular focus on um, the status of matters completed, matters ongoing, and um, the extent to which referrals had been made, uh, criminal cases had been opened and referrals had been made in terms of the, excuse me, the prevention uh, and Combating of Corrupt Activities um, Act, uh, as well as the consequence management that uh, Transnet has instituted and completed, consequential to the advice of the SIU um, and in terms of our own investigations. There are nine slides Can I just check whether I'm audible and still connected? Because um, you are connected. Go ahead. Yes, we can hear you. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. Um, Chair, I would like to just, um, for purposes of context, before I go on a line-by-line item, uh, just emphasize that the relationship between Transnet's um, uh, investigations department and the chief legal officer with the uh, SIU is one that is interactive. Um, We have a very clear tone from the top uh, that uh, at all times we ensure that we cooperate with the SIU uh, that we provide them with the necessary access to our premises, our data, information, records, uh, etc. And as you will note from the presentation, where uh, investigations are complete, we consider uh, jointly an appropriate uh, strategy towards uh, civil recovery um, uh, where where that is required. Um, uh, if I can move to the uh, uh, next page, you will note that, um, in the interest of time, you will note that the SIU, um, due to the volume and complexity of the matters um, involved, has... Um, uh, structured their work around certain phases. Can we move to the next slide, please? And so my presentation will be in accordance with the phases uh, in which the SIU has commenced and completed um, investigations. Um, uh, in, in broad strokes, um, The SIU has completed 11 investigations, six are ongoing, and you will note that uh, cumulatively between Transnet and the SIU, 
17 criminal uh, cases and uh, referrals um, under the uh, the PRECA Act had already been made uh, consequential to, to their investigations. Uh, Chair, the first matter that I'd like to highlight in Phase 1 is uh, the very well-publicised procurement of uh, 1,064 locomotives from four um, uh, original equipment manufacturers. In that regard, the investigations had been completed um, and Transnet with the SIU filed uh, for a review application in March um, of 2021. The, uh, the process of that litigation has intentionally been delayed by some of the uh, OEMs uh, through interlocutory processes. Uh, we have been dealing uh, successfully uh, with uh, those, those uh, challenges. Um, uh, and and uh, we have an expectation that the process of the review will now be expedited. It is under case management. Um, and we, we are currently in a situation where two of the original equipment manufacturers have stepped forward um, with a view to a settlement uh, towards a joint application to the court so that the, the matters related to those two OEMs uh, uh, can be resolved expeditiously. You will note uh, with regard to that uh, investigation, a number of criminal cases have been referred um, and is currently uh, within the domain of the uh, independent directorate and, and the Hawks. In relation to the consequence management flowing from uh, that transaction, um, all of the principal... Sorry, Sandra. Uh, Sorry, Sandra. There is this, uh, uh, a certain Eric Poscat. Can you please uh, switch off your uh, microphone? We are disturbing the flow of this presentation. Go ahead, Sandra. Thank you, Chair. I have heard the disturbance. Um, on my side, I'm not moving, so I assume it's, it's, it's another microphone that's open. Um, all of all of the employees um, involved with this transaction uh, have left the employment of um, Transnet, um, and um, uh, an additional three employees that were involved have been dismissed. So, from a end-to-end uh, -end perspective. The matter is in court. Consequence management has been executed and uh, criminal prosecution uh, is expected to flow from, um, from that particular investigation. The next investigation uh, or focus area relates to the relocation um, of, of um, manufacturing activities from uh, in respect of two OEMs, 
from um, uh, Kudus Spurt or from Gauteng, the Gauteng depot to uh, KZN. This matter, um, the, uh, the investigation's also been completed. It's very much folded into focus uh, area one in terms of litigation. Um, and um, both criminal and civil referrals have been made in that regard. Uh, the um, consequence manage- management aspect uh, then um, equally applies to phase phase uh, or focus area two of, of phase one. The uh, third focus area relates to the appointment of transaction advisors. Uh, there are a multiple of transaction advisor appointments being investigated. Um, this process is still ongoing at the SIU. Uh, criminal cases uh, have been filed uh, in respect of one of the advisory appointments made, uh, i.e. in relation to McKinsey. Uh, we've already reached a settlement um, and um, uh, uh, the employees involved uh, in this matter also had already uh, resigned from Transnet. Other uh, transaction advisory appointments that are uh, under investigation still by the SIU include the appointment of regiments and trillion. Transnet has instituted uh, civil recovery actions uh, against um, those companies as well as the employees involved um, in those transactions. Can we move to the next uh, slide, please? Focus area four, phase one, uh, chair, relates to an appointment uh, tender related to the automation of um, services. The investigation by the um, uh, SIU is complete. Uh, the evidence available indicated that there were no procurement irregularities and consequently there were no referrals to the uh, independent directorate or the South African police services and no uh, consequence management uh, followed from that particular investigation. Can we move to the next slide? The um, uh, phase one, there are a certain number of the SIU investigations that are particularly uh, focused on matters, um, transactions occurring in the KZN region. And so when we refer to um, uh, focus areas KZN, those matters are being investigated by investigators focusing on that province itself. Um, the first matter in that regard is the role on roll-off tender. Uh, the investigation is complete and um, the SIU found no evidence to support the allegations made. However, there were certain recommendations with regard to systemic uh, improvement, improvements 
uh, on the Transnet side. Those have been given attended to, but as you will note, there are no referrals to the ID SAPs, nor consequence management flowing from um, that investigation. The second KZN matter relates to the reconstruction, deepening and lengthening of the Durban container terminal berths. The investigation is complete um, and the SIU has concluded that the award of the tender was indeed flawed. Um, The SIU um, uh, um, has uh, on its own uh, identified uh, opportunities for civil recovery and has served application papers in the SIU Special Tribunal. Uh, The SIU has also made referrals uh, both to the National Prosecuting Authority and the SIDB with regard to breaches of legislative uh, prescript. Um, So we are awaiting the the papers uh, from the SIU to make out a case for further disciplinary uh, referrals. The the, um, protocol ordinarily followed uh, with the completion of a case by the SIU is that they would address correspondence to the chairperson of the board with specific recommendations on uh, be that systemic improvements or disciplinary action to be taken. We are awaiting that. The KZN3 matter relates to the new multi-product pipeline. Uh, The investigation is complete um, and criminal charges have been referred by the SIU to the NPA. The official, from a consequence management uh, perspective, the official involved has been uh, dismissed uh, and the SIU uh, working with Transnet have obtained a preservation order against the particular official and the service provider um, and we received judgment uh, in favour of of the SIU and Transnet and we are in the process of attaching assets uh, to monetize uh, the assets um, to date that have been attached amount to 20 or presented a value of 26 million rand uh, to date, uh, uh, and uh, well, that's available for for monetization is twenty six million rand, and we have to date recovered already fourteen, just over fourteen million rand. Can we move to the next slide, please? Case it in uh, matter number four, um, uh, actually four and five relate to tenders um, uh, for the acquisition of cranes. The investigation um, uh, has been completed uh, um, by the SIU. We have not yet received the report of the, um, of the SIU, but we have been advised that there were material irregular- irregularities in the procurement process, um, 
and uh, that there is an opportunity for civil recovery. The SIU has uh, briefed a council in the matter uh, to determine the reasonable prospects of success uh, to to uh, review and set aside the award of this tender and recover damages. Um, similarly, um, in relation to the tenders, the SIU in KZN5 have also determined that um, there were certain uh, supply development uh, obligations and aspects of the contract that were either not completed or overstated. Um, we have uh, we have not yet received any referrals for disciplinary action, but I might mention that one of the original equipment manufacturers um, involved in these tenders have uh, stepped forward uh, with an offer to uh, uh, an offer of restorative justice, as we call it, um, to make amends with regard to any overpayments and benefits that they had received uh, because the delivery under these contracts have already been completed. Um, we are engaging with the OEM and the SIU uh, to, towards a settlement whereby justice is restored uh, to Transnet. Um, with regard to KZN6, the pipelines investigation, this has uh, also been uh, completed. Um, and, um, excuse me, however, um, the, the question as to whether uh, Transnet suffered losses and to what extent hasn't been settled fully with counsel. Uh, however, a criminal investigation has been referred um, to the uh, ID uh, and SAPS, and the officials involved have already been dismissed. Can we move to the next slide, please? How, how far are you now from the conclusion, uh, Sandra? Uh, Chair, I will I will move uh, a bit faster. Um, yeah. I, I'm particularly interested in sharing with you. I think the committee would be interested in the last two slides um, uh, with regard to the extent of consequence management. Um, the uh, on this particular slide, let me just indicate that. Um, uh, the the SIU investigation has indicated wrongdoing. We have instituted review and set aside um, uh, uh, proceedings along with the SIU. Criminal referrals um, have been made. We've not yet received the the uh, referral from the SIU with regard to any further disciplinary action to be taken. Can we move to the next slide? Chair, um, on, on the uh, following slide, you will note that investigations by the SIU is still ongoing. Um, uh, but And so we haven't yet 
instituted civil action, uh, nor have we refer, uh, received referrals for disciplinary action. However, um, Transnet has made certain referrals under PRETA um, and uh, criminal complaints with the South African police. It relates to um, contracts with uh, software solutions, uh, maintenance and report um, support, uh, re- uh, reliability support services, um, and uh, the conduct of officials in awarding certain uh, contracts in that regard. If we can move to the next slide, please. Chair, uh, again, um, on this uh, slide with regard to, and these are the phase two investigations, you will appreciate most of them are not yet complete. The one complete uh, completed uh, investigation relates to the wagon performance optimization. Um, the uh, SIU have found evidence towards irregular procurement processes and possible uh, disciplinary processes uh, are recommended, um, have been recommended against a transit official, but that official has since uh, resigned. I'm not going to focus on the other areas that are, um, uh, are still ongoing uh, with regard to the property matter, which is a very recent matter related to fraud and corruption in procurement. Um, it is very current um, and actions are being taken, disciplinary actions are being taken, and there are also civil recoveries underway. Can we move to the next slide? I'm giving you now three minutes to conclude your, conclu- your, your, your presentation. Uh, Chair, thank you very much, and that's very generous. Chair, you will note, uh, and I'm not going to go line by line, let me work rather in summary. Uh, you will note that um, uh, with regard to all of the disciplinary referrals by the SIU, as well as our own investigations, um, all uh, employees implicated um, have either been dismissed um, or have resigned uh, at the time that they realized that a disciplinary action were to be instituted uh, against them. Uh, the next slide essentially covers the same. Uh, I can indicate to you that um, um, the total amount of employees dismissed um, consequential to these investigations uh, are 11 employees. You will also note from the two slides that the individuals dismissed or uh, uh, who voluntarily resigned uh, at the commencement of disciplinary action are uh, senior uh, executives or managers uh, within the organization. Chair, I will then close at that point uh, for questions. Honorable Chair, just um, so that's uh, in, in closing, because we are finished, 
But if you go to slide number 33, so it is clear, uh, where we reference board members, it refers to former board members of uh, Transnet, not the country current uh, board. We will uh, would appreciate it if that was uh, recorded as such, please, and we will make sure to make the edit so that it is clear. Thank you very much, Chair. Uh, Honourable members, um, we're, we're done. Well, thank you very much. Uh, let's appreciate the presentation. Just for confirmation, Mrs. Poshia, what is the surname of Sandra who was making this presentation in respect of SIU and consequence management? Uh, Kutsia, Advocate Kutsia. Okay, what is his designation? Uh, she's the group chief legal officer. Is he or she? It's a she. Sandra, it's Advocate Sandra Kutsia. Oh, okay. Sorry, I, could, I, I, I didn't see her face, so I just oh. listened to the voice. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much. Um, let's appreciate uh, the presentation from Transnet, which obviously is led by the Deputy Minister of Public Enterprises, supported by the Chairman uh, of Transnet, uh, Dr. Popo Mulife, uh, of course, uh, administratively led by the Group Chief Executive Officer, Osis Poshia, and supported by uh, the CEO of Transnet uh, Port Authority, Ndadepe Pistilinga, as well as the presentation on the master plan of rail, which was done by Mr. Ruzani Lugege on behalf of Cesar Mzumela. And then the last part of the presentation on SIU proclamation, which was done advocate by Advocate Sandra Kutsie. We really appreciate this uh, uh, detailed presentation by Transnet, and it helps us to be on par in terms of the developments that are happening at Transnet. And uh, I had given you one hour, 30 minutes. We extended that one hour to 30 minutes of the presentation in order for the members to have a full appreciation of what is obtaining at, at the level of Transnet. I now going to put it to the members to interact with this uh, detailed presentation, and uh, I will now recognize the hands. Uh, I see the hand of Mama Winningwenya, as well as Honorable Lindwe Bibi. I see those two hands. The Secretariat will help me, or the Honorable Annals. Those are the three hands that I have, Honorable Members. Uh, in that order, Honorable Nguenya, we'll start with you. Thanks very much, Chairperson. Um, Chair, let me take this opportunity to welcome the presentation from the Transnet. Honorable Chairperson, I have the following questions. During the SONA of 2022, President Ramaphosa mentioned that our economy cannot grow without efficient sports and railways. In terms of the measures to expand capacity in freight and ports. Chair, I wanted to check to what extent has Transnet responded to the important issue raised by President Ramaphosa, such as improving Operation of, of efficiency through 
procuring additional equipment and many others. The second question, Chair, I want to check what is the update on developing partnership with private sector in order to address cable theft and vandalizing on the front ray network. This was also raised by the president during SONA. Can we get an update, please, Chairperson? I want to check also how many of your ports have international terminal operators to assist Transnet to have direct link to key trading partners. Lastly, Chaperson, on SIU investigation phase one, how many of those employees responsible on phase one, focus area one and three, have left Transnet employment? And what is the conviction rate of those employees who were criminally charged? I thank you, Chairperson, for the opportunity to participate in this meeting. Giabong. Thank you, Mamungwenyasi Bongatina, uh, for that uh, number of questions, which are quite very constructive. I now hand over to Honorable Lindiwe Bibi. Over to you, Mama. Baba. Sorry, Baba, I won't open my video because I'm about to get into the um, into the bus. Chairperson, I've got two questions here. Uh, the first one, we can, can can you hear me, Chair? Uh, loud and clear, Mama. Okay, yeah, Baba. The first question will be, uh, um, a few years back, Transnet always had a a problem with the national ports regulators, uh, regulators' decisions on tariff increase. I just want to know if this difference of opinion on tariff increases to date has been resolved or an understanding between the two parties has ever been reached. And the second question, Chairperson, is what is the general staff morale among Transnet employees, uh, especially with regards to the investigations underway? And uh, have you seen any uh, unprecedented resignation as some uh, employees might, uh, uh, might fear being implicated uh, in the investigation? Thank you very much, Chairperson. Thank you. Uh, we now um, want to invite the Honorable Arnolds. Honorable Arnolds, over to you. Thank you, Chairperson. Uh, Chairperson, uh, yeah, we, 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 we just uh, again want to remind uh, Transnet of their responsibility uh, for a safe, if effective and economically efficient functioning of our national port system, uh, which we are well aware uh, that is in dire need of uh, of changes. Right? 
And there is a need for, for massive uh, structural changes uh, due to the old infrastructure uh, that dated uh, back since the 1960s. But just a uh, chairperson in terms of um, Richards Bay, a uh, pre-feasible study uh, that was completed, can we just get an update or progress in terms of the, the engagement, the stakeholder engagement, uh, if that is happening, and uh, and how far uh, that engagement, which is very important uh, in terms of uh, the whole project. Then, Chairperson, uh, the port of Cape Town, the challenges uh, or the issues at, 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 at the port uh, in terms of the fast track truck staging project. I just want to check, Chairperson, uh, in terms of the impact of, of the project, um, when are we going to see a real impact in terms of the fast track truck uh, staging uh, project? Uh, especially in the port of Cape Town and then also in some of the others. Then, Chairperson, we have heard now about um, uh, the 17 uh, cases uh, of investigation, uh, 11 that was completed and the six that is still ongoing. Uh, but, uh, Chairperson, on... The presentation phase two KZN three new multi uh, uh, product pipeline. There is mention made in terms of the recovery of fourteen million. Can we get an indication from Transnet in terms of what is the total amount of stolen money that was recovered uh, till date, uh, so that we can have a just of, of what uh, was recovered uh, till date. Then, uh, Chairperson, we want to find out if there is still outstanding disciplinary uh, matters and if, how many are they uh, that uh, is still outstanding till date. Um, that is from, from my side, Chairperson. Thank you. No, thank you, Honorable Anos. And uh... Uh, we now want to give it the opportunity to the Honorable Tebu Khomodise. Honorable Modise, the floor is yours. Now, thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chairperson. Let me start with appreciating the presentation from the Transnet, uh, led by the Deputy Minister and Dr. Mo Molefe, and wish him a Get well soon. Chair, um, I've got only two questions because the other questions was asked by other members. I just want to check with uh, Transnet. Can they explain a bit the dispute you had with the Chinese Railway uh, Rolling Stock Corporation regarding the supply of a specialized space? My first question. The second question is um, How was the cable theft and load sharing affected your operations? 
for your operations, especially at the port, do you re- rely only on ESCOM for power supply or you have an alternative for power supply? Those are the two questions, Chair. Thank you very much. No, thank you very much, uh, Honorable Members, uh, for your questions, comments, as well as questions of clarity. And I think it's very clear Transnet will be given an opportunity uh, to respond to those. Just my addition, I I understand, as I have already made my appreciation remarks on the presentation holistically, um, with what you had uh, presented to us and that this linger, uh, in respect of the port of Nuha, you pointed to an aspect of uh, underutilization of the port. And I would love to understand where, what would be the causality of that underutilization. And secondly, with respect to the port of Mosel Bay, you spoke about it as a loss-making port. Um, I would like to understand if is there any turnaround strategy that talks particularly to that um, issue of loss-making. Of course, you made an indication that there are projections that uh, it may go to a point of uh, uh, meeting a threshold uh, wherein there's a signal that it may it may be turning a corner soon. But I want to understand that is happening by chance or there is a turnaround uh, strategy in place in respect of that. Then uh, my third question is in respect of the fact that entry between Deben and Johannesburg uh, is quite a very busy road, especially with trucks. It is um, oversubscribed, the road itself. Now, I want to understand, with the new investment and the new development which is happening there, is it going to ease the pressure? And there was also an issue that uh, there was to be a station which was meant to sort all the containers somewhere so that you don't have a situation where a container that is destined for the Eastern Cape, it has to come first to City Deep in Johannesburg before it actually goes to its final destination. So I want to understand the relationship between City Deep as well as the new arrangement in Cato Ridge and the other park that you mentioned, if these are to help us to ease the pressure on the entry, which is so oversubscribed. And then lastly... I believe that perhaps it would help us to have an understanding of the magnitude of the capital investment which is being made towards this expansion of the ports in the country. Roughly, what are we talking about in terms of money? The extent to which, how many rents uh, in billions are we going to be spending in this respect? And the other side to that is the fact that the works are in full swing Given the three challenges that we have as a country, I want to understand if there are any new opportunities of employment. And uh, it would be great, perhaps, if you can give us an indication that a great uh, amount of people are going to get opportunity for employment. And already, maybe some people have been employed uh, employed, uh, in this uh, new development. Um, I will end it at that. I think I am happy with the progress which is being made in terms of 
the SIU uh, cases, as well as uh, the consequent management, which is taking place within uh, the internal processes of Transnet. Um, we are now going to give you an opportunity to respond to all the questions, questions of clarity, as well as the comments which have been made by the members. And once again, thank you for that presentation. We, we hand over back to you. I don't know whether, Deputy Minister, you would like to have a first bite or you will just give um, Transnet executives uh, the the honor of dealing with these questions. And perhaps maybe the chair, if he's still in the platform, uh, over to you. We will we'll hear from you as to how you want to approach the response. No, no thank you, Chair. You, you read my mind. I think uh, it is uh, to the board and the team to take uh, the questions that have been raised. Uh, uh, they can they, they can proceed uh, uh, without imposing. I, I think maybe the, the chair of the board could speak last after they've dealt with the uh, questions. Uh, but but uh, I think they, 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 they can deal with the issues. Thank you, Chair. Okay, thank you, DM. Uh, Ms. Poshia, let's... Let's let's give you the opportunity then to direct us as to how you're going to be responding to this. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much, Honourable Chair, and thank you for really great questions, actually, um, from from everyone. So uh, I have quite a, a team, and I'd really like the the core respondents, please, on our side, uh, to be the the presenters. Um, and. But I've also asked uh, uh, the CEO of TPT, Jabum Dagi, to also join. Um, with regards to uh, Honorable Nguyen's question around um, improving, or can we, uh, and also please uh, translate people when you're answering the questions, can you switch on your camera, uh, please? Uh, with regards to improving operational efficiency, Jabu, if you can uh, just talk very briefly around the initiatives that we are undertaking um, at, uh, in terms of port operations. Uh, to drive uh, efficient uh, efficiency, and Ruzani, you'll talk about the the cable theft. Ruzani, if I may, if you, uh, uh, Honourable Chair, if we, if you could also, because that's almost linked with the uh, question from Honourable uh, Modise, which asked about the impact of cable theft and load shedding on operations. If he can just answer, um, uh, cover that question as well at the same time. Maybe if you could, when you come back with your answers, also uh, get back to that question around utilities in particular, the the plans that we have for uh, on uh, provision of water as well as electricity as our contribution to to helping with the with the shortages that are in the in the economy. M- maybe can we just start that way? And then Sandra, you'll come in if you can pick up on the uh, the ones that are related to investigations uh, and disciplinary processes, please. Chabu. Uh, uh, thank you, uh, uh, Pasha. Uh, with regard to the first uh, questions of the port operations, uh, sorry, am I visible? Uh, the areas that you... No, we don't see. We just see white. I don't know. Oh, yeah, don't now you are. Okay. No, thank you very much. 
Yeah, the areas that uh, we are focusing on to improve the efficiencies within the terminal operations. Uh, first of all is the availability of the equipment. Uh, one of the questions was with regard to the equipment. There is a lot of work that we are doing and we've done to get the equipment back into operation as well as uh, doing the refurbishment, as well as well also the ongoing process of procuring a new equipment uh, for the port. Well, we've seen improvement with regard to that. The second one is uh, we're touching with the uh, people. Uh, they, we have um, initiated a number of initiatives basically to get the people switched on and motivated, which talks to the morale that was an issue that was raised by one of the uh, speakers. Uh, some of the initiatives is uh, introducing incentives that are linked to the productivity, and we've seen the benefit of that whereby the productivity level has improved within the, the terminals. Uh, we've also seen then the throughput that we're seeing in terms of the volumes, as well as the productivity levels that we are getting. Uh, the other question that I might touch on that was uh, raised as well is with regard to the ITOs. Uh, currently, uh, we, uh, we, there are no ITOs within the... the uh, Jamu, what's an ITO? Oh, sorry. The international terminal operators. Um, so the international terminal operators is part of the PSP, which is private sector participation, whereby we are in the process of seeking partners that have the experience, the knowledge, as well as the financing muscles to be able to assist us improve our terminal operations. As members, there are initiatives that we have put in place, some of them more advanced than the others, most notably the one that talks to NCT, uh, container terminal as well as a peer two in in Devon. Uh, I think that covers uh, the questions uh, uh, with regard to terminal operations. Uh, briefly, no. Uh, can you just answer the honourable chair's question about why Nuka uh, is underutilised? Oh, no, thank you. Uh, so one of the reasons that uh, we are looking for a, a, a private a PSP and, and uh, for for Nuka, it's uh, the, the position of Nuka where we are unable uh, to attract the volumes in that terminal uh, at the moment. So the objective is to get someone that will be able to give us the volumes. Uh, we've got a terminal that has got a capacity of just over a million TEUs. Uh, we are only utilizing about uh, 500 to 600,000 uh, TEUs uh, of that terminal. So it's just about 60% of the utilization. Um, with the PSP, the intention then is that you, you will get someone, once you get the, uh, the vessels that are coming to, to NCT, you will get the volumes that you require, whether it's transshipment or also the containers that are within the Eastern Cape can then start uh, being directed to um, uh, NCT instead of uh, some of the traffic being directed to Devon as, and Cape Town as it is currently happening at this stage. Uh, thank you. Thanks, Jabu. Can I just close off on, on Jabu's statement, uh, Honourable Members? I, I, the, the, I, I must admit that the way that uh, Honourable Nguenia positioned uh, the question is around uh, international terminal operators is truly insightful uh, for me. And I don't say that in any way uh, uh, to, to berate the question, because it is, for me, first time I hear somebody who understands the criticality 
of linking our ports into a global supply chain and to to key export markets, uh, which is actually fundamentally the objective of the strategy. And there's no running away from the fact that our ports are so badly rated globally now that the only way to move fast up the ladder in terms of rating, you literally need to have somebody who has a good reputation and has got strong linkages into the key export markets. But I also want to come back to the Nuha point around its underutilization. An important point that Jabu makes is that if there were a big industrial base in the Eastern Cape, and that's why it's crucial that between Buffalo City, Kareja, and all of those areas which actually have installed industrial capacity, that that grows fast you would have actually naturally had cargo which would have moved in that direction and by the scale of the of the economic activity it would have meant that the ports in the eastern cape would have been used fundamentally as ports that receive uh, cargo for use in that uh, economic uh, area the um, the the container Nuha as a transshipment hub is really important for enabling the full uh, development of CDC, the industrial zone at the back. So one of the big things that we were looking for in this transaction, and pray Jesus we get it, was a cargo owner who would understand the benefits, the material benefits of locating in Nuha. Uh, and being able to leverage off the IDZ at the back. So we work very closely with CDC to ensure that when we get this investment, they are actually able to ensure that they pull a lot more activities, would ensure final assembly, and then generate the jobs directly in that area. Uh, sorry for, for taking a lot more time on that. Um, uh, Ruzani, can you come back on the cable theft and cover all of the issues that are directly related to TFR, uh, please? Okay, thank, thanks. Uh, uh, let me just, yeah. Okay. Thanks, thanks, thanks. Uh, thanks, Portia. Um, yeah, let me let me deal with the issue. I think there was a question coming from the uh, Honorable um, Mamungwe. Uh, let, let me deal with that issue about you know the involvement of um, private sector in helping with the with the with the cable theft. So we did. Um, you know, and and the the uh, and, and the honourable Nguyen is quite correct um, that we have made a clarion call to uh, the industry to to really help us because our view is very simple that the issue of cable theft is not really a transnet issue; it's a it's a national issue, and we need to approach it with that approach. We, we need to approach it in that way that we need to bring everyone who has party or a role to play in this to help us. So what we've since done is we have spoken to our customers and I'm happy to say that, you know, they have responded quite positively. Just to give you some of the numbers on the coal, uh, the coal customers, they've come and they have made available uh, uh, drones and also, you know, warm bodies as well to, to, to guard our lines and to protect our, 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 our infrastructure. And uh, we have since, uh, I think from November 2021, we have seen uh, a daily reduction of incidents from 35, or rather weekly uh, reduction from 35 incidents to about 20 incidents. So we are not yet where we're supposed to be at, but certainly their intervention is is, is bearing fruits. On the AMSA side, um, there as well, they have made available uh, task teams and also drones. Uh, that is on the Warrington line. Uh, that is very much impacted by the Zamazamas uh, as well. 
Uh, there we've seen a reduction weekly um, uh, uh, numbers of 12 incidents to about five incidents reduction. Uh, uh, we have seen uh, which which is uh, uh, very much welcome on the Chrome customers as well. They've made available on the Northeast corridor. Um, uh, they've made that is on the, the steel port line. They made available, um, uh, you know, help there as well. Uh, currently, we are in discussion with them to to see how much you know help they can bring on to to really help us with that. Then I think the others is the likes of Sasol. They are also looking quite um, uh, favorably to really help us on uh, making available some of the task teams and drones and technologies to reduce the uh, uh, the, the issue of uh, uh, of cable theft uh, on, on on our lines. And then um, maybe dealing with the question of, uh, and I think that question is very much linked to um, uh, what the Honourable uh, Mudisa has has, um, has 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 asked, just to share the numbers. Um, in 2017, 2017-2018, we've lost uh, revenue-wise about uh, 141 million. That's what we lost then. And now, with the 21-22 uh, financial year, we've lost a whopping 2.1 billion as a result of, um, of, of, of of cable theft. Also, in terms of tonnages, we've lost about 7.7 million tons. You know uh, that we've lost due to to cable theft. So this cancer is really, really a problem, and uh, it really needs to be dealt with with the you know uh, seriousness that it deserves. So I think maybe let me let me pause there. Perhaps uh, I'm not sure, uh, uh, Poshe, if you want me to deal with the issue of that was uh, the question that was asked by the honourable chair about the entry. Yes, uh, please do, and and okay. also the Cater Ridge and all of those have. Correct, correct. Yeah. So honourable chair, you you correct. Um, we so a logistics system. Um, uh, everything does not start and end at the port. So whatever is offloaded from the port is destined inland mainly. I think mean, I think you will all know that South Africa we've got um, you know our spatial issues, i.e. the manufacturing is inland and the port are, are, are at the ports, and there's a 700 plus kilometers in between them, and we need to sort out for that. So on, not only rail, uh, rail yes, big big portion of it, but you then need to create what we call back of port facilities, i.e. Kato Ridge is one of them. And the way we want to approach it, you will recall, Chair, what I, when I started off, that our mandate as rail is to enable the port. So as long as the port is fluid and they're able to handle more vessels, uh, that is our, we are just a conduit to make sure that the port is able to function well. So the back of port facilities play a very critical role. So Kato Ridge is one of them where we are able to hold, so we don't need to send all containers at the same time at the port. You hold them at Cutteridge, and you only send what is necessary to, to, to go onto the vessel. So it's more like a, a just-in-time that you send to the vessels so that you don't have uh, containers crowding the, 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 you know, the, 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 the port precinct, as an example. But also coming inland as well. We are currently in the process of investigating you know, what other hubs do we need to have. Yes, where City Deep is currently you know, is within the, you know, the, 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 the city, and there's a lot of issues. So we are looking at what is it that we can do to have a Katoridge equivalent on the uh, 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 on the side to then be able to handle all of these. Then from there, you then use that uh, the hub and spoke uh, process where you, you 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 consolidate them at that hub, and then you then take them to different destination, i.e. 
uh, you've mentioned the issue of PE and other destination as well. That's what we are looking at. And all of those, those two key facilities will then create sort of like a pressure releaser in the system. And by so doing, you then are able to run much more efficiently and you're able to move more traffic off-road onto the uh, rail, which is what, we, what we're looking for. Uh, let me just pause the uh, pressure. Uh, thanks, Razan. Um, um, uh, honourable members, I mean the the move to have towards having Durban as a hub port uh, for South Africa, able to uh, take those super large uh, container vessels. Um, one strategic reason why that's important is that when you look at the trends globally, um, these super vessels only stop at ports at c- uh, certain ports around the world, and not just everywhere, which have the capability to accept them. What is important for us as South Africa in Durban is that if we with the development of uh, Durban as one of those receiving ports, it means that we become part of the global network of these uh, vessels uh, and the shipping uh, shipping lines. If I just to to illustrate the importance of it, you would have seen in the media last year in particular. We've seen slightly less of it this year, um, and they call it omissions uh, when they write. Is that the liners will come and they omit certain ports. Uh, they just omit them because there's no, they don't see real value in stopping there because they're not large uh, volumes that have to be deposited in those ports. So they bypass. So in, in, uh, in, in last year, we had situations where we were completely bypassed as South Africa, completely. And that's despite the fact that our economy is one of the biggest economies on the continent. So what the opportunity that arises, I want to link it up to the Honourable Member's question, which was around de-stuffing, because that's what it's called, is that you get a container in, uh, that comes into Durban, you rail it up to City Deep, you de-stuff in City Deep, and then you send it back into the smaller markets where it would be going to. A lot of the de-stuffing currently in the, um, of uh, containers that come in Durban happens actually fundamentally in Durban. And then the, the rest of the cargo would come up to Harding. But what you would like to do going forward is that you have most of the of the containers dumped, uh, offloaded in Durban. Then you have what is called a milk run, uh, the small vessels that would then come and take some the, uh, the containers that are meant for some East African country, which would run from South Africa to that uh, port, Maputo or wherever else. Another uh, vessel comes in, picks up some of the cargo there, takes it around uh, West Coast or wherever it might be going to in some of the countries. Now, that's a genuine new growth area. Uh, it creates an opportunity for us to start looking seriously at registering some vessel uh, shipping liners, smaller ones, uh, that would be able to run this milk service. It takes away the need to then go to Gauteng to drop back into the Eastern Cape because then you'd be able to use this service to, to deliver um, cargo in smaller batches to these um, other ports. But the development of Durban as a hub port is absolutely crucial for us to see that happen. There's already such services, by the way, that run in, in South Africa. Uh, there's a shipping line, I think it's called MKV or MV, something like that, which uh, does uh, this uh, milk run along, along the port. Sandra, can I ask you to deal with the ones that relate to disciplinaries and then baby, because the rest of the other questions are fundamentally uh, about a, uh, the port system and investments that you can run with those. But can I just start on the morale of staff with regards to um, investigations? We've been very careful to separate out um, what, that which is related to 
malfeasance, and uh, Sandra will, will talk to that, but also helping to have very honest conversations amongst ourselves as the people who work in Transnet about what happened. Um, um, why, uh, why were people able to abuse the system? Why were those who kept quiet? Why did they keep quiet? Because they did keep quiet, some of them. Uh, what is it in, in the culture, in the makeup of the organization that disempowered in such a fundamental and profound uh, fashion? And so we've spent quite a lot more time sort of understanding when people then come back. And thankfully, a lot of people have been very open and forthcoming around what were the challenges and what are the issues and why some took the decisions that they did. And some of them are going through a process of reevaluating what they will do differently next time uh, around. And so you'll find that we have tried to pick up as many of those lessons as we possibly can into Transnet, into a new culture that we're building, so that actually in future, uh, you are able to have processes and systems for people to be able to um, be able to lift a finger and say, no, I'm not participating in this, or to be protected, to act in line with uh, a conscience uh, sometimes, but also to be able to indicate that this is not proper, but also by cleaning up the rules and the governance system so that there's actually a lot more fundamentally individual accountability because one of the things that had happened in transit is to avoid uh, to to ensure that I'm able to take an action um, which is protected. I force the committee to make the fundamental recommendations which is in line and the committee once the committee recommends nobody writes whether it was unanimous or what percentage it just the committee recommended Uh, and so I use my voice and my power in the committee to ensure that the outcome aligns with whatever I wanted. So what we've insisted on is that more direct accountability to the individual and the use of committees in areas where committees are absolutely crucial. And when we use a committee to ensure that the committee is insulated from outside influence, either by power in the organization, and sometimes, which is a problem that we've often had, is influenced by people from outside. Um, in the last year, we've had a lot better uh, outcomes, even in terms of just procurement, where we've had fewer situations where individuals who are in ev- evaluation processes feel threatened by leaks that come out of the organization and then suppliers and literally suppliers who start harassing some of our, uh, our people. We've had a much, much better situation now where that closing up and that tie up is no longer that uh, we've closed up. And so I've ensured that there's actually it's not the, the the committees are not as permeable as they used to be. We'll never be able to get it hundred percent right. But um looking at the situation that we have now, much, much better outcomes in terms of the protection of the individuals to uh exercise their professional um discretion and to actually make decisions from their perspective. And I must say, uh, uh to thank the board, and I'm not just saying saying it because they're here, uh, we have had a board which is absolutely supportive of that greater uh, uh, accountability to, to individuals and also have ensured um, that um, there isn't undue breaches of, of uh, governance inside the organization. But Sandra, if you can just quickly go through the cases that we have and then maybe uh, you close off on, um, on the questions that relate to the courts. Thank you. Uh, Chair, if, if I may just uh, interrupt a bit. Sandra, I think there was a question by Honorable Mudise. 
relating to how the dispute between, uh, I'm paraphrasing, disputes between Transnet and the OEM uh, and the consequential uh, shortage of uh, spare parts have impacted on uh, on TFR on our operation. Uh, if 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 I miss misconstruing you, Honorable Mudisa, you would say so. But I thought I heard you asking about the issue of the specialized spare parts from the OEMs and how the shortage thereof has impacted Transnet or whether we're making a, any progress in resolving that issue. Uh, thank you, Chair. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Chairperson. Um, who's going to deal with that question, uh, Mr. Sandra will deal with it, Chairperson, because she's All been... Right. Uh, uh, tackling all of those matters because it is interlinked to the uh, uh, the review application that we have in court and some of the side negotiations that are taking and our plans uh, to improve. Uh, some of these things we would not be able to say in public because they are fairly at a sensitive stage and we hope the chair and honorable members will bear with us uh, because we wouldn't want to say anything that will undermine our own strategies as we deal with these external uh, elements. No, thank you. Advocate Kutsia, over to you. Can I just sensitize everyone in this meeting that actually uh, this meeting is being broadcast live? So it's important that uh, you do switch on your, your videos and also name your gadgets correctly. Uh, for the full appreciation of your name and surname. Sometimes that helps. SABC just sent me a text message now to make that indication that they don't want to present people with the wrong names and surnames. Over to you, Advocate Kutsia. Thank you, uh, Honorable Chairperson. And and just again, uh, it is Sandra Kutsia, Group Chief Legal Officer. Um, I, I want to start by just supplementing um, what the group chief executive had indicated with regard to the matter of or the question around uh, fear and disciplinary action. Um, in addition, what we had done uh, is structurally to separate investigations from consequence management. And there was a particular reason for that. Uh, it is to introduce checks and balances so as to avoid that the the function of investigation does not become an intimidatory tool. Uh, the approach that we take is once a, the findings of an investigation has been completed, to interrogate the findings um, to ensure that they are conclusive. Uh, that there is clear evidence of malfeasance and to ensure that our charge sheets represent um, specifics of of malfeasance. Um, so to that extent, um, the, uh, uh, the uh, 
possibility or the potential of an investigatory function becoming a, a tool of intimidation, I think, has been diminished. Um, when we compile our charge sheets, we are at pains to ensure that um, we have the necessary objective facts to support disciplinary uh, actions. And uh, you will find that most of the resignations that then occur, occur as a consequence of the strength of the charge sheet being presented uh, to the individuals. We have also introduced independent presiding officers to ensure that the disciplinary hearings are fair um, and enforceable. So um, uh, uh, as far as the, the, the due process and fairness uh, with regard to disciplinary actions are concerned, I believe much improvement had been introduced. With regard to the question uh, on how many uh, disciplinaries are outstanding, with regard to the referrals received from the SIU, and our own investigations, there are no disciplinary uh, actions outstanding. There is one that has just commenced, um, and so the outcome of that process is not yet known. Um, I will speak to the, the matter of the KZN case uh, involving um, the multipurpose pipeline um, and the question with regard to um, how much can be recovered and how much has been recovered. Um, I omitted to indicate that the recovery process is as a consequence of a forfeiture order that we secured through the special tribunal. Um, the process that follows the forfeiture order um, is one of attachment of assets, tracing assets and attaching those assets. Uh, the assets uh, available to be uh, monetized is 26 million. The process of monetizing those assets uh, relate to the disposal, be that in the form of an auction or uh, uh, some other form of sale. Um, to recover the, the money itself. To date, um, of the 26 million uh, in value of assets, we've recovered financially already over 14 million. This is an ongoing process in collaboration uh, with the SIU. With regard to uh, the uh, collaboration of uh, OEMs um, in making necessary, the necessary spares and components available to not only uh, keep up with the planned and regular maintenance, but also to bring back long-standing locomotives. Uh, there is one particular OEM that um, has, has not been cooperative. Uh, we have issued a letter of demand uh, 
for access to the relevant components and spares. As you will note, if um, if there is isn't a positive response to a letter of demand, uh, the next step is to introduce legal action. Uh, we are settling our papers in that regard. And as you will appreciate, at this stage, I cannot say much more about that, but um, we are uh, exhausting all of our remedies to ensure that Transnet has access to the components and spares in order to bring back the long-standing locomotives back to service. I trust, Chair, that I've covered all the questions. Thank you for the opportunity. Thanks, Sandra. Um, Pepe, can you uh, come in on uh, the ones that relate uh, to TNPA, um, starting with the, with the uh, uh, Honourable BB's question about uh, tariff increases? Um, and I'll close off um, and then hand over to the chair uh, when we talk about what's the total investment by Translate. But I think some indicative of what's the investment uh, that we'll be undertaking in the ports. Uh, thanks. Um, good day, Chair and Honourable Members. Um, uh, thank you again for the opportunity. Uh, just to go back to the uh, question around uh, the tariffs, uh, uh, Chair. Um, the, the, I think the, the process of tariffs, often by its nature, um, should be possessed with some requisite tension in so far as a, a, a determination of those particular tariffs. But having done an analysis over the past 10 years, we find that uh, the difference between uh, the uh, price uh, uh, application and the final determination is rather too wide. Um, to uh, to create predictability in the system, and and that clearly because the application that we submit is in terms of the agreed tariff methodology, that is suggestive of either a difference of interpretation, or of factors that uh, might either be within or outside of the control of both uh, TNPA as well as uh, PRSA. So as it stands, a uh, uh, chair. It is not uh, ideal in any manner or form, as the Honourable Member has actually uh, uh, indicated. Now, uh, one of the things uh, that, uh, in fact, uh, needs to be done is an update of that uh, tariff uh, methodology. One of the difficulties that we have is that we submit a tariff application on the 1st of of August. Uh, By the time uh, the regulator itself has to make a determination, It's um, four or five uh, months uh, later. Uh, By the time we're having to implement it, um, it is seven, eight months uh, later. And and in an environment environment of um, volatile uh, price changes, uh, often we find that there's a significant difference at the time when the application was actually put together and at the time when the regulator itself has to actually make that determination. Of notable in the last uh, recent in the recent periods, uh, chair has been the volatility in the administered uh, prices. Now we find that those don't uh, find expression in their explicitness. One of the uh, biggest cost contributors um, to the cost profile of the uh, of the ports 
is the price of water and electricity, if and when uh, those are actually available, because we're also contending with uh, a poor availability of those. And we find that uh, those price escalations, which have been double digits for the past few years, don't filter through in the formula that, uh, uh, in fact, looks at, uh, at inflation, because uh, by the time it, it is being considered, it's a blended uh, inflation. And to the extent that uh, we consume quite a lot of these utility uh, services, it, it is causing a significant cost pressure, which is not being recovered uh, uh, by the, uh, if you like, the beneficiaries or the users, whether they are terminal operators or the vessels or, or, the, uh, or the agents. The tariff methodology itself currently also uh, factors particular uh, variables which are not necessarily within the control of TNPA. Um, and, and in the event that uh, that particular variable uh, goes in the negative direction to what the PRSA would have wanted, um, that then uh, occasions uh, penalties against the TNPA. So part of what in fact needs to be done is a remodeling um, and alignment um, and, if you like, a, a consideration of those factors that are within the control of TNP to the extent that they could be incentivized or disincentivized uh, through the, uh, the tariff uh, uh, methodology. One of the other concerns that we have is that of what we would call a, um, a replenishment of the regulated asset base. Um, it is one thing to actually recover um, uh, uh, monies for the infrastructure that you actually uh, creating, uh, but you also need to replace the existing infrastructure. Otherwise, you run the risk at some point in time where your infrastructure has run its life, and you are at a point where you need to replace that infrastructure. But the tariffs themselves have not been geared to, if you like, uh, enable you to accumulate sufficient financial muscle to be able to recreate that particular uh, uh, capacity. It is a significant risk to the long-term sustainability of a port uh, system. One of the other factors, Chair, that uh, has been a subject of different interpretations is uh, the question of whether there will be recognition of the concrete steps that are being taken uh, towards the process of subsidization of a, a, a TNPA or whether it will be a question of once all of the building's lights are on, only then would you regard as uh, the lights being on or would it be actually uh, progressive? And in the event that the interpretation is a conservative one, the penalties that would uh, uh, be quite significant to the extent that we would not be able to actually uh, take them. The last one, Chair, is that we've also found that the, the tariff determination itself has not necessarily had the benefits that were intended to the extent that we set, we, we administer the prices that have been determined by the regulator. The terminal operators um, themselves uh, don't necessarily uh, pass on that benefit to the ultimate end users. So you then find that uh, the rate at which the cost of doing business in the country is declining is not at the same rate at which the tariff itself is in fact intended to incentivize. So we're looking for mechanisms to ensure that uh, there's a line of sight from the determination of tariff right up to the ultimate consumer or beneficiary from a system uh, point of view. So there, there's quite a bit, Chair, that uh, and we, are, we do have intentions and we talk with the regulator on a regular basis. And the idea is to, in fact, 
close some of these gaps. The regulator's biggest problem with the um, TNPA in the last five years has been our notable failure to actually spend capital expenditure. And, and that's, an, a, a, if you like, um, a, a, a legitimate source of their anxiety, um, to which up until recently we didn't have much defense against. And, and for that, I think uh, they were within their right to express, to express their extreme uh, displeasure. Um, uh, if I may, Chair, uh, uh, just on the question that uh, Honorable uh, Arnold uh, raised, there was a question around the phys- pre-feasibility study in the port of Richards Bay. I must uh, uh, tender my apology, Chair. I couldn't determine exactly on which particular uh, project that was. Uh, in the meantime, I will just speak to the, um, the other question that he also uh, posed, which relates to the truck staging area. So the truck staging area, uh, 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 Chair, would be one of those projects that will be transversal, uh, that we need to sort out the intermodal logistics, uh, uh, if you like, uh, 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 operations throughout the port system. Uh, we'll prioritize the uh, truck staging uh, uh, area uh, in uh, the port of Devon, that's one of the areas, and uh, we've got uh, the Ambrose Park, and there's currently work that is actually being done, as we speak, parallel to the Bayhead uh, uh, Road. We also uh, prioritize the port of uh, Cape Town. We are going to be starting with uh, uh, one in the port of Richards Bay because they're also suffering from a chronic uh, 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 congestion. And, and the idea, as I indicated, to this truck staging area is to ensure that, first and foremost, the trucks come upon being called so that they don't park in there and we keep them for as short a period of time as possible. But also the truck staging area is on a fluid basis so that people don't have to be taking, if you like, a difficult turns and tosses which damage the road as these articulated trucks have to take a, a sharp tent so that there's a, a, a seamless a flow of uh, traffic throughout that particular uh, system. From a time frame point of view, Chair, depending on the nature of the truck staging, the first phase is to just do it on a very a basic level, like we are doing in the Port of Devon, which really would be to prepare the ground, gravel it, and just enable an open space, as it tends to happen when taxi associations start um, a taxi rank. They often start just by themselves without any paving. By the time it gets formalized with top structures for it and, and sitting and queuing places, they have basically, uh, uh, if you like, uh, been operating it. And, and we find that that's one of our problems in our country. We tend to either want to do a Rolls Royce or do nothing. What we want to do is that which is possible within our means to respond uh, uh, with immediate effect for an infrastructure that is actually fit for purpose. So it will be a progressive development of that particular facility. It should be operating within the next five months as the first stage, the one that is going to take place in Devon. Of course, in each case, it depends on the enabling infrastructure in and around. If it is a listed activity, which will then attract EIAs, we would then have um, perhaps another year or so before we can start with a uh, construction. If not, then it is something that uh, in the next uh, six or seven months should be going out uh, for the construction company to actually develop that particular uh, uh, asset. And, and the next one, Chair, was on the uh, uh, questions that you raised. Uh, regarding uh, one, the well, I'll skip the port of Moha. It has uh, been dealt with uh, uh, somewhat on the port of Mosel Bay. Yes, uh, Honorable Chair, there is a turnaround uh, strategy, which is actually quite in detail. The leadership team actually spent 
um, a week in the uh, port of Mosel Bay around, uh, I think, about a month or so ago, including meeting with all of the employees and getting to understand what the issues are. Financial viability models have actually been undertaken. So uh, the proposals that are currently uh, going through uh, the final detailed iterations is, number one, um, expeditious signing of the leases. One of the problems that we have is, on average, sometimes it will take up to 18 months just to get a lease uh, concluded. That then, obviously, during that period of uncertainty, sterilizes any new investments, or in some instances, the prospective uh, uh, tenants ultimately give up and they make uh, alternative plans. So assigning of new leases is one of the major issues and where it has been going through the various approval uh, uh, processes. On those instances where we have unoccupied properties, we've gone on uh, an advertising and, and, and promoting and cultivating local interest. And part of what we're doing here is by the time we advertise, the market and the industry must have a sense of expectation and excitement that there's a unique opportunity that they should exercise an interest in. The next one is uh, ensuring that we put the right people in the right places. Because often what we find is that there are quite a lot of vacancies at an operational level where we would actually add value and generate income. And uh, perhaps a lot more than we need at a management level. So we're inverting the base, making sure that uh, we push as many uh, uh, hands um, as close to the operations as possible, where we generate uh, income rather than being an overhead. Um, And I think in terms of general decision-making, this is one of the things that is anchoring the turnaround uh, strategies. There is um, a boat uh, repair facility in Saldana, which require, in, in Mosel Bay, my apologies, which requires uh, adaptation to be able to accommodate the bigger boats. At the moment, you can only work on one boat. Uh, the proposal at the moment and the infrastructure business plan is coming would be to enable three boats at any time. And that is the second or rather the third biggest revenue generator for the port of um, uh, Mosel Bay. The first one was Petrosa. The second one is the fishing industry. The third one is the uh, uh, boat uh, repair facility. And we're wanting to triple that uh, uh, particular income as soon as uh, uh, possible. We also did appoint a new PM, um, uh, uh, Dr. Dineo Mazibuko, who comes with a a great uh, uh, pedigree. Um, And the top structure model, often we find that one of the barriers to transformation is requiring um, prospective uh, uh, tenants uh, to come in into the port, uh, build a top structure, which often requires no less than 120 million rands, then buy equipment to be able to be within that particular port, port precinct. We have altered the operating model. We see uh, the role of the port as part of its economic transformation uh, mandate as entrenched in the port uh, X to actually provide top structure solutions, reduce the barriers to entry, which is in in this instance is capital requirements by those particular uh, prospective uh, uh, tenants and only allow or rather enable uh, those uh, tenants to use whatever limited resources they have to focus on the actual business instead of having to run around looking for capital to actually develop the top structures. Inadvertently, it then favors the deep and the historical uh, uh, pockets, and of course, the outcomes are that of a very uh, sluggish uh, transformational uh, uh, profile. The last one that I just wanted to uh, uh, just to allude to, from and we indicated that from an efficiency point of view, 
part of making sure that the infrastructure is fit for purpose, the beds are of sufficient length to be able to take bigger vessels, which allows uh, bigger uh, containers or rather the, uh, greater volumes, which increase uh, economies of scale. It's what we are also doing, as well as dredging of the, uh, of the beds so that uh, vessels of the requisite uh, size could actually come in. We are also uh, purchasing what is called hydraulic tension mooring systems, which is basically equipment that you use to attach the vessel to the bath so that you can work on that particular vessel, even if it's extremely windy. Because in some instances, we find that we're suffering from long downtimes and extended periods of time because we're unable to work, or rather the uh, terminal operators are unable to work on the vessel because it is rocking too much because of the uh, strong seas. Just to give an example, the port of Mozambique, they said, um, in the last financial year, they didn't have a single downtime. In our instance, uh, we get uh, a close, especially in the Cape of Storms, close to an equivalent of a month that is time that is unproductive and uh, lost. And TNPA is in the process of acquiring those, about 65 of them, uh, to equip the rest of the port uh, system. Chair, I, I would uh, really appreciate with uh, sincere apologies that we didn't get the specific uh, issue regarding the pre-feasibility uh, for the port of uh, Richards Bay, and I would be very glad to provide the additional information in respect of that matter. Thank you. Uh, Honourable Chair, I, um, maybe oh, if we can, uh, Pepe, the issue of um, the total capex uh, for the port system, did you remember to indicate that? The, 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 the budget for this particular year is 2.4 billion rands. Uh, for the port uh, system, and that would be the CAPEX uh, 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 budget. Then there's a maintenance uh, 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 budget, uh, chair, which when scattered throughout the port system would constitute another 1.3 billion rands in total. So we would be talking about something close to 4 billion rands that is being spent on maintenance as well as uh, new uh, new infrastructure. And our estimate, Chair, is, and that we're still running with, is less than uh, uh, below 100 billion for the development of Durban Port, because that is quite an extensive investment uh, that we will be undertaking. Okay. And then, insofar as the issue of the number of people that you have taken in, new entrants, employment wise? Into Transnet? Yeah. Given no, we- the given the, the, the investment and the, the expansion of these ports, are you employing new people? or? Uh, Pepe, do you want to speak a bit? Uh, but, you know, yeah. at the group level, in terms of the total numbers, Chair, one of the big issues that we're dealing with as Transnet is that uh, it's called an operating ratio, which is a number that uh, we use that's compared around the world around uh, which talks to productivity, efficiency of the organization. Now, our competitors on average are below 50%. Uh, Transnet as a group is at 58%, uh, and some of our operating divisions are much higher than that. Uh, TFR is, I think, around 62%. What that means is that for every rand, we collect 62 rand, uh, for every rand, 62 cents uh, goes towards employment costs which means that the balance, the delta, the 38 cents is what you have available for investments. And we, we cannot be competitive. And frankly, we cannot be sustainable on that basis. So a lot more of our work internally is to make sure that we grow revenue 
uh, of the base that we have and the people that we currently have. Uh, but also most of the jobs uh, that we will be creating are outside of transit, not necessarily in transit. But then there's the specifics on how we deliver on these projects. I'll step back and let um, Debbie talk, uh, uh, talk to, to that in particular. Um, uh, thank you very much, GC. Uh, um, uh, Chair, insofar as the, uh, the additional work that we're actually doing, um, by its nature, nature, Chair, it's a project uh, work which requires a particular uh, uh, level of skill. That would be for those people who are actually going to be employed um, by the Transnet National Port Authority. I mean, so far as projects are concerned, we prefer to link them with the duration of the project. So we believe on a model, which is what I'll call a combined uh, model, where you have a sufficient capacity inside the organization to be able to discharge um, the type of work that you are guaranteed is going to be there on an ongoing basis. And then there will be specialized type of services, which tend to be unique to the type of projects that you might have on board from time to time. You then hire those particular skills and you link them to the duration of the project. More often than not, due to their specialized nature, they wouldn't stay with you in any event if you didn't have the work for which you would have actually uh, hired them. So there will be specialists that will be brought on to actually uh, uh, drive these particular projects, and they tend to operate in terms of fixed-term contracts. Having said that, uh, Chair, we've recently appointed 400, recruited 400 young people who are on a learnership or an internship who are coming from uh, previously disadvantaged uh, uh, backgrounds scattered throughout the ports from Richards Bay right up to Saldana um, and ensuring and, and, and benef- benefits that would accrue um, uh, to communities in those particular uh, areas, but not exclusively, including the rest of the uh, population. And we are deepening our exploitation of deductions, your skills development level, what I would call statutory deductions in respect of skills. And they're wanting to ensure that we're able to create those opportunities that are being eventuated in the project environment to people otherwise who would not gain access without any additional cost to uh, Transnet because we claim that back uh, uh, from, the, uh, from the system. And that's one of the areas in which we think we can contribute to the skills revolution, in particular targeting young people without having to increase, um, if you like, uh, the total cost of employment. And the last one, Chair, we measure also uh, what we would call average expenditure per employee, capital expenditure per employee. We are still very low compared to where we should be. On average, um, we should be spending average of all of the TNP employees close to about 4 million rents per person. Um, as a way of determining whether the organization is sweating its capability to deliver a capital infrastructure, we're still very far from that, meaning that the sufficient slack that we should be taking up and engaging in executing of these new projects without necessarily having to go and hire additional people other than the specialized skills that we would not be uh, possessed with at the moment. Thank you. No, <clears throat> thank you very much. I think... Uh, you, you must have concluded now with your answers, unless the chairperson would want to make a, a summation to the responses that were expected. If not, then um, I would want to say that uh, these issues are never exhaustive because <clears throat> they are quite broad 
and strategic and um, quite very important and instrumental in the country that is reconstructing its own economy and the expectation from Transnet, which we have transformed from being a shelter employment organization into a business that is uh, enterprising, that creates jobs out of its own uh, ways of uh, changing discourse in the uh, economy. So I don't know, uh, Dr. Popomlefe, do you want to say something so that uh, we can then uh, get closer to making a concluding statement and closing the meeting? Uh, <clears throat> thank you very much, Chairperson. Uh, uh, you, you have really given us the lion's share of the time of, of the committee, and we appreciate that uh, tolerance. Uh, we just have to, we just wish to restate that um, to the extent that in the state of the nation, the president called for the enhancement of our operational efficiencies and uh, uh, partnership between Transnet and the private sector, uh, the need for us to rehabilitate our rail operations and the uh, creation of branch uh, lines uh, to which we would invite the private sector, um, the competitiveness uh, plane upon which we needed to put Transnet, uh, we have done quite a lot in that regard and uh, uh, we have not, we are not nearly near what Transnet should be. I think there's still a lot of work that we, we need to do. But as a board of Transnet, we are happy with the strategic direction that the company is taking and the manner in which our executive team has placed focus on the various ODs, uh, functions and segments within our strategy. And uh, within that, uh, uh, we, we are experiencing a lot of traction from the, the markets in this regard. Our ability recently to unlock further funding uh, by getting loans from the Deutsche Bank and opening up for new other funders uh, has enabled Transnet uh, to continue its business and to ensure that uh, the uh, rating agencies do not uh, give uh, adverse rating that downgraded us and kept us rather where we were uh, though they kept us under watch through Modi's and others, we are of the view that Transnet has demonstrated that a state-owned company managed effectively uh, and efficiently it can actually avoid the reliance on the fiscus. But we also appreciate that in achieving what we have achieved, we, we had good support from our executive authority as well as national treasury 
and the Department of uh, Trade, uh, Industries and uh, Competition, uh, uh, all of that combined have enabled us uh, to place Transnet on a continual survival uh, uh, position and capacity uh, to enhance its ability to generate revenue coming into the future. There are still major problems that we we are experiencing at our uh, annual results announcement. Uh, our GCE asked how many of our locomotives are in the staging yard because of lack of uh, components or spare parts. She indicated that as a result of the challenges that we're experiencing, uh, we have well over 300 locomotives that are uh, cannot be deployed until we are able to resolve the major challenges uh, of maintenance that we, we are experiencing. But as would have been clear from the submissions, uh, the presentations, we are collectively focused on ensuring that Transnet becomes increasingly competitive and it can ensure that uh, reliance, there'll be no reliance on uh, uh, the fiscus. Um, the board of Transnet has committed to working very closely with the our executives to unlock any any uh, bottlenecks that might be there uh, in respect of operations and to make sure that next financial year we deliver improved uh, results again. I'm sure we'll still come back to you to talk about the annual report and we'll probably have the opportunity to deal with all of those honorable uh, chairperson. Uh, my conclusion is really to thank my directors and the management team, but also to place on record, Chair, that uh, Ms. Rampaga joined us. Uh, is one of our directors. She joined us late. Uh, but Dr. Professor Mufamati and uh, Mr. Louis van Ziena, uh, Ms. Figelipi uh, have tendered their apologies for this meeting. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Well, thank you, Chair. Thank you, Chairperson. Um, <clears throat> honorable members, I think uh, from where I'm sitting, the responses that we have received are quite very detailed and they were elaborate. Um, uh, they were elaborate. And um, I, I stand here to appreciate uh, <clears throat> this presentation. Uh, and it's really comforting. <clears throat> but I can safely say that uh, with what has been presented to us is quite detailed and quite explanatory, and it gives us a clear perspective of the direction which Transnet is taking in so far as this investment and expansion. And all the questions that we have asked have been answered to the full satisfaction of the members. I haven't seen any other member who's raising another hand for a follow-up question. 
I know that politicians will always have a question to ask, but on the balance of what we have been given here, there's a clear balance of evidence in terms of what is happening on the ground, on the side of Transnet. And what I like most is the fact that they are not only employing an academic approach in terms of what they do, they are also organic. I like that example which was made by Ndate Pepe Silinga of saying that instead of expecting a Rolls Royce or nothing, you rather go into the ground and do what is doable uh, so that you can get things done with immediate effect. I therefore wish to express my deep felt gratitude to you, uh, Deputy Minister, for leading the team here, ensuring that uh, the political office is actually represented. And we're quite happy that you came in person here because there were issues in the recent past insofar as uh, your office not coming through to these meetings. And I'm happy that you have responded positively and immediately taken steps that uh, uh, your of your good office is represented at this level. And uh, I wish to express my thanks to Dr. Popomlefe as the chair of the group, Sisposhia as a group chief executive officer. And, uh, and as I say, what we have come to present here to us, we may again in 2023 ask for progress. And it may not be for you to come in person you can just share documents so that we can interact and see what we have taken us through today is actually happening and there is progress and the progress that is much required. want to thank Ndadepe Pisilinga, want to thank Ruzani Lugege, want to thank Advocate Sandra Kutsie, and I think all of you, you came fully prepared. And this is what we must appreciate because the nation is listening and the nation is expecting that uh, when people are given a task to carry, they actually do this to the best of their ability and they are seen to be actually helping the country to move forward. And this is what we expect. With those few words, we say thank you so much. Uh, It's almost one o'clock. We have taken almost three hours today, but I think it was necessary for us to go through this exercise in a detailed manner. I therefore wish to thank you to say you are now uh, released, you can go back to your workstation and continue to do the good work that you are doing. I really much appreciate it. And on behalf of the members of parliament that sit in this committee, we express gratitude and appreciation. Mamungu wa nyasunga kutu kasi lungselele ungaena kwenye meeting liza kutala ngotu. Asina ma reporter ato kwa? No, okay. not today. Not okay, today. No, Only because of the, the detailed presentation that we had to get from Transnet, we have deferred everything to the next meeting. Uh, okay. So that members can be prepared uh, for the uh, plenary which is coming up. 
So okay. apologies for not communicating that ahead of time, but I thought in my opening remarks, I, I made an indication that we will only have one item on the agenda, which is Transnet presentation. Okay. Uh, okay, <clears throat> Chair. Thanks yes, very sir. much, Chair. So, Thank you so Leave much. See you in the chair. <laughs> okay, 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 members.